the blast from our past network. Lock your doors, close your windows, turn out your lights, for chills and thrills await you. It's time for Podcasting After Dark with your hosts, Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Stay with a friend, say your prayers as grisly ghouls close in to seal your doom. Tonight's episode, Knockabout, starring Yun Biao, Lian Chia Jen, and Samo Hub. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Podcasting After Dark. I am one half of the pad team, Corey, a.k.a. Sleazy C. Joined with me, as always, is my brother from another mother, Zach the Total Snackage Shaver. Or should I call you Zeppo this time? <laughs> Why don't you call me the guy who, whenever I talk, has a really terrible British accent? And you do wonky eye movements. Wop, wop. <laughs> Want to see my monkey style? Wop, wop. Actually, yes, Zach. I do want to see your monkey style because that was <laughs> fucking amazing. Let me hear it, baby. Let me hear that monkey style. <laughs> <laughs> Are you you got to blink your eyes, too, and everything. <laughs> yeah, if we were a visual podcast, you guys would get a whole show. That's right. Especially because I'm... Not wearing any pants. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I can That's a joke. <laughs> That's a joke. All right, so guys and gals, uh, if you know you somehow didn't happen to read the title of the episode, we are breaking down and reviewing Knockabout, 1979's Knockabout, directed by Sam Hung. And this is a Patreon pick by Paulette. And this is her first one. And wow, she brought a, a wild movie to the table, dude. Paulette, if you were going to choose a movie that is so left field from what we normally do, this is the movie to choose. So thank you, Paulette, for doing something totally bonkers and different and bringing up like really good memories from our childhood. Oh, yeah, dude. Oh, my God. This this whole movie. And while I've never seen it, I'll just get that out of the way. I've never seen Knockabout same, before. Same. Neither is Zach. Um, it still reminds I still have nostalgia for it because and I'm sure you'll confirm or you'll have your own version of this. But growing up for me outside of D.C. and Baltimore, we had um, on in the 80s, we had Channel 54. I love Channel 54 because that's the channel on Saturdays they would play horror movies and sci-fi movies. And on Sundays they would play kung fu movies all day long. You know, like, uh, what, the, the Seven Deadly Venoms and, you know, all, all, the, all the movies that the Wu-Tang Clan, you know, were obsessed with, you know, growing up. I and mean, I'm sure one of these, I'm sure Knockabout is one of them as well. But, so while I've never actually seen Knockabout... I, this whole movie felt nostalgic for me. Yeah, absolutely the same. We had TV 20 in Detroit. Um, that's where our intro was kind of pays homage to the original thriller cinema uh, Saturday chiller theater and thriller and chiller and all that good stuff. And then on Sunday, it was Kung Fu Cinema yeah. and or Kung Fu Theater, I think it was called. And um, yeah, everything from Fist of Fury to... Chinese Connection, and then, like you said, Seven Deadly Venoms, or even like a little bit of Jackie Chan, Drunken Master movie, yeah. stuff like that. So I I love this. It, this movie is exactly what we would have seen back in the day 
on a Sunday afternoon or early Sunday afternoon. It was super fun to go down memory lane with a movie that, you know, I guarantee would have loved back in the day because I love it now. It's a it's a it's a hoot, as Corey would say. Yeah, dude. I mean, the action in this thing uh, was was unreal. The, the acrobatics and everything. And I I know Sam Hung, and we'll get into the cast and crew and everything. I mean, I know Sam Hung, and I know his name. I don't rec- I, I don't recognize the other guys' names, but I feel like I recognized everybody, or at least the main fighters in this movie, from something else. And we'll get to that again in a little bit. Um, but I want to roll back to the discussion about, you know, Sunday morning stuff. So, or Sunday morning watching these kind of movies. So there's two ver- Zach and I have had access to two versions thanks to the Arrow Blu-ray. Um, we chose to break down the export cut, is what it's called, the 93-minute export cut, because that's the version we would have seen, had we seen it, that's the version that we would have seen on TV here. Now, I also watched, to, in preparation, I also watched the Hong Kong theatrical cut, which is about uh, like 12 minutes longer. There is one specific scene that I will actually tell you about where it is, and I'll sort of explain the scene and everything in my breakdown, but Zach will probably not have actually seen that scene because it wasn't in the version that we watched, but I'll, I'll explain it. But that was the idea behind that this version that we were going to do is because this is probably the version we would have seen if we had seen it as a kid. Yeah, it it's the international version. So uh, wherever, I think there's only one way to f- watch this now, and I believe that's the Arrow Blu-ray that was that came out not that long ago. Um, you can't find this anywhere else on, like, you know, YouTube or a, I, Tubi, perhaps. I don't know. But uh, th- this version is, like, the, the one we're going to be covering is, is the mainstream one, like we do with all the movies. You know, yeah. we don't necessarily cover the director's cut. We potentially could do that for a future Patreon-exclusive uh, director's cut-type series. That could be interesting. Uh, note that for future self. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, no, it's you know you're 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 missing a little bit of stuff from the 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 the, the original version, but it doesn't take away from the overall experience. No, and I did pick up on a lot of um, differences in the dialogue and especially in characters' names. So in the <laughs> so in the U.S. version, our leads are named like Zeppo and Harpo, which obviously. Uh, the two brothers, which obviously is an homage to the Marx Brothers, because this is supposed to be a comedy. This is like a comedy action. It's I think I believe this is billed as comedy uh, first. Um, but then in the the Hong Kong version, their their names is Yipao and Taipao, Yipao and Taipao. Uh, but then we've also seen versions where they're called Taipao is actually named Daipao. Um, and it's it just was so hard. And then on top of it, it's really weird because. You actually technically don't find out the older brother's name until, or even both of the brothers' names until like forty-five minutes into the movie. Yeah, I th- this movie is is mostly fight scenes and uh, comedy scenes, you know, and that that's the whole point. So, I I would say three quarters of this movie are probably fight scenes. And there's nothing wrong with that. It it just will be a slightly different breakdown for <laughs> yeah from what you're used to. But we're gonna give it our best best 
<laughs> ah. And one more thing I sort of want to touch on is that I there are there's there's a lot of like awesome like blog posts about this movie. Um, you know, lengthy blog posts about this movie that I didn't get a chance to read. Um, but then there's not like much else. Um, I, I, the, the, there's extras on the Blu-ray, but not like a making of the movie. There's no real information on, um, IMDb either. And I kind of don't know enough about seventies and eighties Kung Fu to sort of know the significance of this film, but my understanding, I could be wrong. But from what I gathered from reading things, um, I mean, obviously we know it's one of Sammo Hung's earliest um, uh, movies, but I, directing, you know, films, um, but it's Bao Yin's uh, uh, leading man debut, leading man debut, which I guess is significant. Um, this, is, this is interesting because it's actually Yun Bao. They, it, IMDb is wrong. Okay, so it's Yun Bao, and that means then that means his brother is Leung Kaiyin, not Kaiyin Leung. No, I think that's right. Jesus Christ. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's. I mean, the, the, figuring out people's and then on Wikipedia, like the IMDb spelling for Kaiyin Leung is different than the Wikipedia spelling. This one was such a hard movie to figure out the people's names just just people's names dude i will say that this is definitely one of our more um you know i'm used to picking the the cult movie that is not necessarily mainstream this is way in in a in a dark cavern um you know so whether we're calling yun biao uh bao yun or yun biao it's you get the point and uh (laughs) And we'll we'll call out we'll be you know praising their filmographies in just a moment when we get to the cast and crew because oh my gosh like as far as kung fu cinema is concerned um, some of these guys are absolute legends in the industry yeah and and so the like sort of the last thing I wanted to say of my understanding of the history of this movie is <laughs> not going to be helpful at all but my understanding is is that this movie has a special place in the history of Kung Fu movies. And I think after this, the Kung Fu cinema kind of changed. Again, that's my understanding. I am no Kung Fu cinema historian. In fact, other than Sundays catching them here and there, I never really watched them all the way through or went out and, and watched Kung Fu movies on their own. I really only saw them on Sundays when my when I'd be at my friend's house or something. And I, and I never even then would sat, sit down and really watch them too much, but I always enjoyed what I saw, but never really sought them out. Yeah, I, 70s Hong Kong cinema is very different from 80s Hong Kong cinema. Yeah. And I, I 80s Hong Kong cinema is my wheelhouse when it comes to... Um, kind of my depth of knowledge on this subject. 70s was more, I don't know, it was, they're all edgy and different. This one definitely, uh, you know, toe dips into what we're about to see moving forward into, you know, 80s Hong Kong cinema, more just that wacky fun style. Yeah, because like Drunken Master and stuff, Jackie Chan stuff, that was after this, right? Wasn't that early 80s or was that? Mid seventies, so I and, and I know that Samuel Hung and and while Zach is looking that up, I know like Samuel Hung. Um, that's seventies. That's seventies. That's seventies. Okay, okay. So I know they're sort of all from the same troupe, like Jackie Chan, 
Sammo Hung, and then um, uh, Yun Biao. Yun Biao, yeah. I, they are. Yes, yeah, so that's they my are. understanding. I mean, they, they, these, like, Yun was, you know, if you go on IMDb, I have a love-hate relationship with because of the way they portray things. They're, like, not as famous as, you know, Jackie Ch- his counterparts. Well, not as famous maybe in the United States, but as far as, you know, international fame is concerned he was in everything back in the day i mean he was the man he was badass like um i could you could go down his the laundry list of movies he was in in the 80s and you can't go wrong with any of them you know not 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 in any particular order but like um wheels on meals which is with jackie chan and sammo hung that's amazing. Twinkle, twinkle, lucky stars with uh, Richard Norton is in that, and, and Cynthia Rothrock. Millionaires Express again. Cynthia Rothrock, Richard Norton. Uh, Writing wrongs with uh, with Cynthia Rothrock and um, uh, you know a, a myriad of amazing actors in that as well. Writing wrongs is phenomenal. Eastern Condors, like Pro- so Project many. A, another one with yeah, Sam Hung and, and Jackie Chan. Yeah. Yeah, like it just you can't go wrong. So, um, Paulette, if you are onto something, picking martial art movies for our show, I'm happily, uh, I would, I'm definitely down to have you pick more if you would, lo- if you want to do that, or any patrons who would like to sign up to that tier, the highest tier, uh, become a patron now. If you are not already a patron, go to patreon.com slash podcasting after dark and consider signing up to the highest tier, which is what we break down a movie like we're doing with Paulette's. But yeah, uh, Yun Bao is, is a phenomenal martial artist. He shows off some of his greatness in this film. Not some, a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you want to just keep going, buddy, keep going through, um, the, the yeah, notable, yeah, we'll, you know, we'll come combat. Yeah, we'll come. Sure, sure. We'll come back to uh, Sam O. Hung in a minute, but um, Kai Yan Leung, who plays uh, Tai Pao, or Dai Pao, depending on how you say it, um, another legendary actor, just one great movie after another, did a lot of stuff with Jackie Chan. One I'll point out, and I brought it up already, was Twinkle Twinkle Lucky Stars. If you guys want to see a kick-ass movie, actually, I talked to Richard Norton about that movie quite a bit. Um, when he hung out here at my house, (laughs) but, uh, Twinkle Twinkle Lucky Stars is a fantastic movie. A lot of these movies are now finally getting their release stateside. Uh, I think 88 films is a, is a international Blu-ray company. They put out these movies already. I believe it's 88 films. I could be wrong. Anyways, um, Tiger Cage. I've, I've heard of that one before. Yeah. And Eureka Entertainment, I think is another one that puts out international discs. I think they're like, they're not region one. But uh, Arrow is finally starting to put some of them out. And, of course, Vinegar Syndrome. But, yeah, he's Kai Yan Leung is great. As well as um, I'll just go with, like, the fir- the main like star- hero stars of this movie. Yeah. Sammo Hung, obviously, who directed this film. I mean, stateside, Sammo is known for a lot more mainstream stuff. Uh, simply because, you know, he had a TV show over here on CBS it was called Martial Law. It was a CBS show. Oh, yeah. It lasted for like, um, I think, two two seasons or three seasons, uh, 44 episodes. So, you know, it was around for a while. I really liked that show a lot. And it was so cool to see Samo break the American, you know, glass ceiling, so to speak. Um, 
but Sammo is a legendary martial artist with Jackie Chan. Yeah, because fucking Arsenio Hall was on martial law. Yeah, martial law is fun. Like, if you want to see a watered-down version, like you see Jackie Chan in the Rush Hour movies, it's the same deal. It's a it's a watered-down version of these of this phenomenal, you know, acrobatic martial artist, just like uh, Jackie Chan, because they can't, because of the insurance in the United States, you can't do the things they could do <laughs> in Hong Kong, because in Hong Kong, they're like, oh, sure, you got an axe in your head, clean up it clean the blood up, put some stitches in. Okay, let's go back to shooting. When I interviewed Cynthia Rothrock, one of her first movies she did in the, in Hong Kong with um, Michelle Yeoh, uh, Yes Madam, I believe it was called, um, got an axe in her head and she felt the blood coming down and they're like, oh, you'll be fine. No, just keep going, keep going. Damn. She's like, is this what it's going to be like? Okay. <laughs> so that being said, you know, Sammo is... is uh, has been in front of the camera, behind the camera, phenomenal. His fight scenes with Richard Norton, I think that's in uh, Twinkle Twinkle Lucky Stars. Oh my God, it's they're, they're, they're it's badass because he's like this portly guy, but yet his moves are insane, insane. Like he's insane. so limber, he's so just my Jesus Christ, man. And and like you know, just kind of comment on sort of everybody because we're you know talking about Samo. He moves the way like you don't expect a man of his size to move. Whereas like, Yin Biao, he does move the way you're expecting him to move, and then he like goes from like a, a, a ten to like a twelve. You're like, well, then a human can't do that though. You know, it's like it's so impressive. And then Liang uh, K, or Kai Yin Liang, like I I thought I actually really liked him because he went from like not being able to fight sort of to like being able to fight later in the film. Like I thought yeah. his progression was good, but I also thought his comedy was the best comedy in the movie. I agree. I totally agree. And their connection as brothers is so fantastic in this. I want to get their hand gestures down the way they <laughs> what they do with each other. Um but another guy who's equally impressive is uh Chia Young Liu who plays the fox who's the villain, the main villain of this movie. Yeah. Uh, and he's really, really villainous. Yeah. Like when he turns makes, when he makes his turn, you're like, holy shit, this guy is evil. And to speak a term that, you know, when he turns heel, when he, thank you. And look at you, yeah. look at you getting all <laughs> getting yourself ready for a future territory. Mark's guest spot. Um, well, he yeah, was, no, he, he was yeah, in, um, kickboxer 1989's kickboxer. He was, he was, he had a small role, like uncredited, I guess. But, um, regardless, I mean, he's been in a lot of phenomenal films. The 36th chamber of Shaolin is obviously one that the Wu-Tang clan, uh, loves and talks about. He's probably worked with, um, you know, he, he doesn't have the resume necessarily, uh, that the other two have or the other three, but he's still got an impressive filmography as well like up and down yeah and he was also in twinkle twinkle lucky stars as well so i think everybody in this movie was in that as well yeah twinkle twinkle lucky stars i think is available i think i own that actually um i think that arrow put that out i believe they did they did put out millionaires millionaire express which is great as well if you're a fan of martial art movies get those two for sure I will point out a couple other actors I think that are important to uh, 
One, I want to point out the police captain, played by Carl Maka. That's who I was going to point out. I loved him so much. Yeah, if ever there was like a, a small role that you make huge, it's his role. That it's he's the act like what he does with his small role in his you know literally two minutes of screen time uh, is so fantastic. But he's been in he's been in quite a few movies as well. Um, Skinny Tiger and Fatty Dragon is a funny Sammo Hung film. If you guys have not seen that one, uh, you know again. Like if you look up his filmography, it's it's all Asian cinema, but you can't go wrong. There's a lot of fun movies that he's been in, and he's great. He's got great comedic timing. Yeah, you're right, dude. He is the perfect definition of taking a maybe a nothing role and turning it into like one of the best performances in the movie. Right. Yeah. Totally. Um, now it's interesting. This actor, his name is listed as just as Mars, but he plays the tiger, which is. Uh, it's a very important role in this film. You might recognize him. He was in Fist of Fury, and he was in Police Story. That's my favorite Jackie Chan movie, Jackie Chan Police Story. That's the one that Tango and Cash uh, ripped a scene off of, and um, it's got the infamous, you know, riding down the pole through the shopping mall, like hitting the lights and going through glass as he's going down several floors. Yeah, I've never seen it, but I always hear that one and uh, was it Armor of God or, or usually people's two Jackie Chan favorites. Yeah, we we may cover Police Story at some point because uh, there's a Criterion version of that that is just phenomenal. Okay. Yeah, I liked, I liked Mars as well. I liked The Tiger, you know, too. I mean, look, this film probably has a myriad of amazing martial artists uh we just wanted to point out a few that we particularly love besides the main characters in the film and uh we'll get to the others as time moves forward because one of them has quite a makeup effects look to him that's very similar to fist of the north star i'm just like wow this is brutally hardcore for this kind of movie yeah i found myself being disgusted by that scene even though it's me too technically not too violent but like i was still kind of grossed out and we'll we'll definitely talk about that when we get there um, there are some and, dry heaving moments throughout this film yes yes and you know i'll, I'll try to talk about any note any differences that i noticed between the two um but the main stuff is is the names and everything there's gonna be another couple characters who have different names in the hong kong version versus the the international version and uh we'll talk about them then when we come to them and stuff like that um but yeah this was this was different man this was different but this was in a welcome way like this is our not our like i mean we've done hard target um you know some jcvd stuff but this is <laughs> i'd say this is a true karate man movie like that where this is our first true karate man film this is our first true karate man film and you know it's kind of perfect. Like, I know we save our plugs to the end, but we're currently doing Martial Art Madness in $2 late fee. This is a perfect connection to the Martial Art Madness that we cover on that show. So it's almost like uh, Paulette knew what was going to be in the embers for us in March. We're covering that on Territory Marks, one particular karate type man on Territory Marks, and our 80s Kids Unite episode that's coming up uh very soon is going to be martial art related as well. So, oh my gosh, Paulette, you're kicking off the madness on 
podcasting after dark as well it's like a little mini crossover it really is it really is so thank you so much paulette for picking this one i mean i had like zach said i had a such a hoot watching this every time and um but breaking it down, it was definitely interesting. So I hope I do this one justice. Um, I kind of, I did feel like I came into this episode. I'm coming into this episode a little bit under knowledged, you know. I, I wish I had more knowledge, but yeah, we'll just you know see what we do. And then real quick, guys and gals, yes, we're gonna refer to you know the Karate Man stuff as Kung Fu because it is Kung Fu. The Karate Man term, if you don't know, is a Trading Places uh, reference. That's what we're referencing when we say Karate Man. And I prefer the term karate from Dirk Diggler and Boogie Nights. These are my karate trophies. My karate trophies. Karate. But Paulette, you hit a home run with Knockabout. I'm going to give you a taste of real kung fu. talent we'll make a bundle <laughs> master i never learned kung fu you consider teaching me you two mothers again Kill oh. you've been training well you've made good progress i'm taking you in dead or alive By the way, can I really quickly say before you start your breakdown, Knockabout sounds like a bad title for straight to Amazon movies now. I think mostly, <laughs> I think it, straight to Amazon is what straight to video is nowadays. You yeah. know, oh, straight to Amazon, it's going to be bad, right? So Knockabout sounds like a movie that would star uh, Liam Hensworth. <laughs> Gerard uh, Butler. Gerard Butler, Mickey Rourke, and... Um, uh, with a cameo by Steven Seagal. Yeah, with a cameo by Steven Seagal and uh, Dennis Quaid. <laughs> <laughs> yes yes and dennis quaid literally probably got paid two million dollars for a five minute scene whereas you know bruce willis would do that with his earlier movies before he you know obviously had to retire from film but yeah, yeah like this knockabout is like knockabout starring every knockoff former great <laughs> actor now sort of b squad actor not that there's anything wrong with that i'm just saying 1979's knockabout before you guys look this up make sure you type in 1979's knockabout <laughs> yes exactly not 2024 starring gerard butler's fiance and dennis quaid <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Cue that Golden Harvest logo. Oh, my gosh. Dude. Dum, gong, gong. Dude, that Golden Harvest logo, man. Again, this movie gives me nostalgia for something I've never actually seen before. 
Dude, it, it's like the minute that came on, I'm like, oh, yep, I'm ready to get into my pajamas and have a big bowl of cereal and pig out on Lucky Charms while I'm watching Knockabout starring every C-level actor from 1999. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. If I do a terrible British accent throughout, it's because the dubbing in this is all British, almost like cockney i was gonna say cockney for somebody yeah like, it sounds like david irons throughout i'm like this is what david irons when he does a bad impression of somebody oh yeah see that's what it sounds like yeah because samuel hung's character has that has a british accent then you know the two brothers have sort of sort of generic accents but then everyone else has very extreme accents you know yeah it's all brits yeah <laughs> okay i'm done please okay Continue. <laughs> the movie opens with a beggar, Sam Hung, and his pet monkey walking through a market. The title pops up on the screen. The beggar goes up to a local banker at his shop and asks for money, but the man tells him to leave. Sam Hung makes weird facial expressions throughout the movie. So, Zach, are they supposed to be ticks, or is he retarded? <sighs> I mean... <laughs> this is 1979, folks, so we are calling people things, and we are... S- and we are imitating things that nowadays would be not okay. Yeah. Back in 1979, yeah, giving him twitches and making him seem like he's special needs. I think it's a little bit of both. <laughs> and he keeps it up throughout the entire movie, dude. Like he commits fully. He's Samo fully hung on staying committed to a role. <laughs> As the beggar walks away, we see one of our two protagonists, uh, Yipao, uh, named <laughs> named fucking Zeppo in the ex in the export cut, the international cut. So, but we're gonna refer to him as Yipao. Um, he goes up to the same banker to exchange a tiny gold nugget for cash. The banker looks annoyed and tells him it's too small and not worth his time. Yipao says it might not be worth a lot to him, but it's all he has. By the way, the banker has a mole on his chin with like a th- like three inch black hair sticking out out of it. I wanted to vomit every time. It's vomit inducing. This is something about kung fu cinema that I think used to make me cringe as a kid. It still does. The effects were very realistic looking. You know, they were pretty pretty authentic. So that mole looks very real. It's not. Um, because you're going to find out in a minute, someone else has one as well. And it, it's just disturbing looking like sometimes the black and blue scars that people would have, like the jacked up teeth they would have is really gross (laughs) and it made it authentic. You're like, you're not supposed to like this character. Exactly. I think that a lot of times they'll give a character that you're not supposed to like an immediate something on their face. You know what I mean? Like it's all very obvious who's supposed to be good and who's supposed to be bad yeah so i guess apparently uh if you've got a giant mole on your chin with giant hair sticking out of it probably not the the coolest person probably not pluck that shit the banker is about to sneeze and yapow puts his hand over the man's mouth and says careful you'll blow it away and then he's because he sneezes in his hand. He goes, ah, that's messy and wipes it on the banker's shirt. I mean, the first time I watched this, I didn't know what to expect from anything. And but right away, you're like, OK, a lot of visual gags and, and humor is going to be in this. Yeah. Yeah. And it moves fast. It's like a screwball comedy. Yeah. Yep. 
The banker relents and gives Yapao two coins. Is it so? Is it Yapao or Yip Yip? How how would you pronounce it? I think you say Yipao. 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 I okay. think. I okay. think. But okay. Yipao. You know, it's tricky, guys. Like, look, we try to do it justice. I know we're kind of like we do research, obviously, but we also too like to go into it somewhat fresh and 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 like unscripted. So, uh, but I'm pretty sure it's Yipao. Okay. All right. I'll, uh, I'll I'll try to say it that way moving forward. Um, but if you say werewolf, I won't judge. <laughs> yes, you will. Oh, now I'm subconscious about saying how I say werewolf. <laughs> hey, I met I met two guys the other day, both from Maryland. Uh, really? And, yeah, and right right near Townsend Towson 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 Towson. Okay. Yeah, two parents at my school, my kids' school, and um, and I was telling them about you and our podcast, and I and I said, yeah, he's always uh, he's got a certain way of saying words it's like yeah everybody from that area does it's just it's it's the maryland way it's like i forget what they said but i was like yep yeah, that tracks, that tracks. Yeah. at least i at least i don't say hun that's only people from uh glenn bernie will say hun going down to the beach hun to zach zach's looking at me blank stare no yeah screw screw that <laughs> the banker relents and gives yipow two coin right yipow right so we're saying yipow okay yeah Two coins for the small gold nugget. He puts them in his pocket and walks out of the shop, but runs into another man. This is Taipao, but right now he's going to go by Mr. Mar, but he's also named Harpo in the international cut. But that's kind of the only time we'll sort of use that term Harpo. And then he Um, pulls his mask off and he's Danny Glover. (laughs) And he says, I'm too over this shit. Uh, so mr mar tai pal acting as mr mar and real quick so these guys are brothers you know that from the description of the movie but seriously guys you don't fucking find out their names until 45 minutes into the movie and it's that's also around the same time they start saying like calling each other brothers because everything else is a con up until then you know and so it's just it's it's so weird that if I didn't read the description, I don't know if I would have known that they were fucking brothers up until like two thirds of the way through the movie, essentially. Yeah. And, and I mean, you just kind of got to go with it. This is not one of those movies where like you could rip this movie to shreds with some of the, 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 the plot lines. Cause it's all over the place at times. This is like a total let all that go type idea. Let all that go. Just have fun with it. Um, I I also want to say, too, that the original movie poster to this, which is featured on the flip cover to the Arrow Blu-ray, it's not. I I hate it. (laughs) I hate it. The the one that they did for Arrow is so cool. Yeah. Uh, But this one, that one is like Yun Bao, like practically taking it looks like it's about to take his clothes off or something it's it's like it's almost as if he's a rock star sliding on his knees singing with a very low crotch yeah. uh shot it's, it's very uncomfortable it's, it's very... very uncomfortable for me yeah no i'll be using the cover of the arrow blu-ray for the cover of this episode for sure thank you and a uh, thank you <laughs> so taipao as mr mar says that he is a friend of yipao's uncle and has a letter and a package for him uh, they both walk into the banker's store, and the friend hands Yipao the package, or the man. Yipao asks the banker if he could do him a favor and read the letter for him because he's illiterate. The banker agrees and reads it out loud. 
To my dear nephew, I've asked Mr. Marr to hand this over. 20 grams of gold. That's important. Remember that 20 grams of gold. Right. Yep. I sold the house. The gold's yours. Love, uncle. Yipao unwraps the package and finds a gold bar. He hands it to the banker and asks him to change it into cash for him. The banker takes it over to a scale while Yipao takes out two coins and pays Mr. Marr, but only drops one coin into his hand. Mr. Marr, a.k.a. Taipao, frowns and leaves. It's going to be kind of a running gag, him shorting his brother. It's Yeah, yeah. And and also, too, uh, the, the banker guy is not reading the paper no. at all. Yeah. Like, really. when he holds it up, he's, like, looking over it. <laughs> You're like, what are you looking at? He's, he's looking at Yipao. <laughs> we cut over to the banker, and he's looking at the scale and smiling. We hear what he's thinking. Hey, there are 28 grams. This guy, I think, had, like, a, this is the Cockney accent guy, right? Yeah, hey, right? Yeah. This is called 28 grams, here. Yeah? Hold on, wait, wait, hold on. So, D- David Owens, David Owens. There we go. I got to do my, my practice. <laughs> This Bo- Corey, by the way, is going, David, David Owens, <laughs> these meatheads thinks there are only 20. I'll clean up here. Yipao breaks his concentration and asks, how much is it worth? The banker says, ah, it's a little short of 20, but he'll exchange it. The banker gives Yipao his money, which is basically a bag of coins and some cash. I think it's all coins, though. Yeah. And then gives him a certified receipt thus making it a legal transaction. All of this is important. It's important for the Hong Kong theatrical cut. It's not as important for the inter- the international cut, and I will explain that in a little bit. Yi Pao goes to leave, and the banker asks if he's going to count it. The young man says no. He trusts the banker. Then Yi Pao asks if the businessman would like to get tea with him, but the banker declines. Yipao says, if you find the time, you'll be more than welcome, and gives him an ominous, ominous look over his shoulder. As the young man leaves, the banker's father comes out of the back of the shop. He has the same mole with the super long hair, but it's white instead of black. Yeah, it's gross. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it's and like, let's call it out here, dude. The, this The dad... He's got white hair, white you know, white beard and all this kind of stuff. All of it's fake. All the older actors, even the old fox, they're all young with like fucking frosted hair. Like it's all like they're all made up to look older. As a kid, it disturbed me. It doesn't disturb me now, but as a kid that that like artificial grayness creeped me out. Did the same thing creep you out? When American movies did it as well, like, for example, let's think of, um, wasn't that Emilio Estevez in, like, old makeup as Billy the Kid in Young Guns 2? Oh, and yeah. So, so like, get, when they did it in America, would that freak you out the same as, as this? No, I, I I think with, like, the fake the fake hair, the fake, act, you know, the, the bad dubbing, it just kind of creeped me out a little bit more back in the day. The American one, I guess, didn't. And Emilio Estevez just annoyed the hell out of me. So Well, I guess because as a kid, you know, you're already, like, not used to Asian cinema. You're already already not used to sort of the tropes of it and stuff like that. So it was just, like, a another thing to sort of hit you with where you're like, why, why is he where? And, you, of course, now you realize it's because all these cats are doing their own fucking action moves and stunts. And, you know, like, they need to be able to do it. They're not going to be able to do it when they're, like, 60 or 70. Yeah. 
Yeah, and then there's a character in a little bit who's got caked on white makeup, and it's like that creeps me out because he he looks very devilish looking. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I don't. Oh, it just kind of just kind of creeps me out a little bit. <laughs> Freaking me out, man. Freaking me out, baby. <laughs> the younger banker starts laughing and clapping his hands. He says, the fool, and points at Yipao. His dad smacks him in the head and asks if he's looking at girls again. The young banker says that they'll be flocking to him when they find out how clever he is. David Irons, earlier this morning, some dumb sucker came in and gave me eight grams of gold. His gold weighed 28 grams, but I only paid him for 20. They both stroke their long mole hairs like a beard, which is, that's gross to me. The young banker shows his dad the gold bar. The more experienced man rubs the gold bar against a rock and discovers it's fake. You fool! It's you who's the sucker! And then he pokes his son in the forehead with his finger. He's ripped you off, you idiot! So... That's where it ends, right? Zach, you saw then cut to Yipao and Taipao laughing over the two bags of cash that they got. That's what you saw next. Right. There's a whole scene in between, and I'll I I, I didn't break it down completely, but I'll give you the 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 bare notes of it, and then we can discuss in a second. There's a whole scene in the Hong Kong theatrical cut where the banker and his dad confronts Yipao at the tea shop about the fake gold bar. That's why Yi Pao was like, hey, just meet me here. The bankers bring thugs, and Yi Pao sort of fights them until the cops come. This is actually where we are introduced to the police captain. Um, but in the theatrical in, in the international cut, it won't be till later. Um, the banker says that the, the fake gold is Yi Pao's, but he says it can't be because that's that one is 28 ounces, and he has a receipt for a 20-ounce gold bar. The captain orders his men to bring in a scale, and when they determine that the fake gold bar is 28 ounces, it can't be Yi Pao's. He then dumps out his bag of coins and shows the police what 20 ounces got him, and everyone is in shock when they see the money is fake, even Yi Pao. The captain determines that Yi Pao was ripped off by the bankers and takes out his gun, but the young man says, they didn't mean it, they'll pay it back. And the captain orders the men to pay Yi Pao back and never do it again. So that's why the receipt was important. The, like the whole scene about the con, him conning him with the gold. This scene right here that was cut is the fucking payoff to that. Yeah, that would have been great. But I mean, it, it, it makes makes sense that they probably probably is something to do with the fact that keep it keeping it at ninety minutes. Yes, I did. Now, I did read online one of those blog posts about the comparisons of the two uh, cuts. And, yeah, the reason they cut it down to 93 minutes was for pacing, you know, faster pace. And for just that, especially in 1979, that standardized American 90-minute-ish, you know, 90-minute-ish runtime. They needed to be that so they could sell it to TV stations. They can sell it to—because, I mean— I don't know exactly how things work, but I imagine that selling a, a, an hour and 45 minute thing to channel 54 or, you know, the channel that you had near you, they wouldn't yeah. have been able to do. So they had to cut it down to 90 minutes. Yeah, no, that tracks. But it's just a shame because this was honestly and there's going to be other stuff that we're going to miss and it's OK. This was honestly a fantastic scene. And, you know, the, the captain in it is fantastic. And you see, like, sort of all the things pay off in the first scene. But OK. Just gives you another reason to go back and, and watch the uh, the original cut. Exactly. 
So what Zach saw and everyone else with the international version, cut to Yipao and Taipao laughing over two bags of cash that they got. Uh, they seem to be in an abandoned house that's falling apart somewhere outside of town. Taipao goes to grab one of the bags, but Yipao drops them into his other hand and shakes Taipao's hand. They both laugh, and Taipao says he didn't think it would be that easy. Yipao says jokingly, stick with it, kid. With my brains and your talent, we'll make a bundle. Taipao tries to grab one of the bags, but again, Yipao does some fancy kung fu moves and blocks his hand with two fingers. Taipao says that they should split it two ways. Yipao tells Taipao to give him, give him the hat he's wearing. He then takes both bags and dumps the coins into that hat. Just then, they hear someone walking. We see it's the beggar and his monkey. He's looking up at the sky and smiling like an idiot. When he says, oh, and walks off, the two men cover the money and look around, but don't see the beggar. Taipao says, must be thunder. The beggar walks by again, same thing happens. Taipao says, I tell you, it's going to rain. Hurry and split the cash. Yipao starts taking one coin at a time and dropping one into Taipao's bag and one into his own. He announces each coin he drops. Yipao then begins tossing Taipao's coins, forcing the older man to look away to grab them. When he does, Yipao grabs a handful from the pile and puts them into his own bag. When Taipao looks back, Yipao just puts one to in, into his own bag. This goes on for a while until Yipao has an obviously bigger bag of coins. Taipao says he trusts Yipao, but just to be safe, why don't they swap bags? The younger man says, eh, there's no need, they're the same. Taipao says, karma may be blind, but he's not. He can see <laughs> Yipao's bag is bigger. The young man says that's because he doesn't want Taipao to get a hernia. Taipao says he'll take the chance. The older brother says he'll take a chance on the hernia and tries to grab the bag, but Yipao tosses it around his own body while blocking Taipao and using the other bag to distract him. We get a really fun semi kung fu set piece with the bags of coins. So this is one thing I sort of didn't expect to get was to get a a level of sophistication in kung fu, but yet they're not fighting. They're 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 it's a gag. But the, the physicality of this gag is unfucking believable, man. Yeah, it really is. I mean, this is the, the first time in the movie where you see them showing off their abilities. And it's great. I, I love it. It's yeah, it's it's fantastic. It's like, yeah, it's, and how he doesn't miss. The, like, how many takes did this have? You know, do all these things have to take? Right. And, and, you know, this is a time when you couldn't just keep shooting over and over again. Like you probably had to hit it in one take. It was probably a shit ton of rehearsing. Um, of course. But, but these men are so, I mean, they're fucking, they're, they're physical specimens. You know, all these men, even even Sam Hung, I mean, they're all physical specimens of, of just, just you know, years of training. That, right. Like, the stuff that they're doing, it's for laughs. But, like, if you actually break it down, you're like, that's that's just insane. Yeah. I mean, look at Buster Keaton back in the day. Just all the stuff he put his body through. You know, and obviously that was an influence on Jackie Chan, but I'm sure it was on them as well. I'm glad you bring up Buster Keaton because I was always a bigger Buster Keaton fan than a Charlie Chaplin. And same. Yeah, dude, I get it. Like, and I do know we that like this whole this whole troop, like Samuel Hung, um, you know, Jackie Chan, they all love Buster Keaton and, and, and Charlie, uh, Charlie Chaplin and stuff like that. Like, yeah, I think that's where they get a lot of the comedy influences in movies like this. Right. I agree. Eventually, Taipao tosses the smaller bag, and the pseudo-fight over the larger bag spills out of the abandoned house onto the street. The dance ramps up with the two men throwing some punches and kicks into the mix, but Yipao is clearly the better fighter than Taipao. 
I, I mean, my breakdown is there's some really fun moves in this fight. And guys and gals, this is how we're going to sort of go through fights. I, I'm going to hit some key points, but I don't know how to explain to you what's happening. I, all I can say is even if you listen to this whole breakdown, go watch the movie. Because anything yeah. I say doesn't do it justice. No, I mean, we will, if anything, you know, glaring pops up about a fight scene, we we may bring it up. But fight scenes are hard to discuss on the show because you really have to just see it to get the full effect. But trust us, it'll be worth it. And we will call it out, too. If it's a fight scene you definitely cannot miss, we'll note that. If the fight scene's not great, we'll note that, too. Yeah, but not in this case. Not not in this case for this movie. <laughs> no, no there's, every fight scene is fucking amazing. Um, right. And this is kind of giving me a little bit of a of a practice run because um, Zach mentioned earlier, you know, uh, his Hong Kong cinema bread and butters uh, in the 80s. Mine's in the 90s because I was a big John Woo Chow Yun Fat fan. And one of these days I want to bring uh, the killer or hard boiled or both to the show. But like, I you know, I think about this sometimes with hard boiled. I'm like. You know, the last 20 minutes of the movie is like a giant shootout. How do you, how do I break that down? So I found, I feel like this is kind of like a, a bit of a test run for me to figure out how to, how to break down hard boiled in the future. Right, right. As they are fighting, the larger bag eventually gets kicked by accident and lands in the nearby woods where the beggar picks it up and runs off with it. Yipao and Taipao go running into the bush to find their money, but they don't see it or the beggar. As they are looking, the beggar finds the other bag and swaps it with a similar-looking one. Taipao says, it's okay. He'll take the smaller bag because Yipao did all the work anyways. Yipao <laughs> says, no, it was all Taipao's idea, so he should have the bigger bag that was lost. <laughs> it's a very brother's fight, you know? Yeah, I love it. I love it. it and the whole thing, too, the, the mood is, like, so upbeat throughout all this. Then mm -hmm. it takes a turn towards the third act. It does. We'll get to that. And we'll, we'll talk about it when we get to that. But I was not expecting that at all to get that nope. dark. Same. They both fight as they run back to the smaller bag. Yapal says, that's all that's left. If they fight, they'll lose that too. Taipal says, at least they had some, some luck today and they should use that at the casino. They both grab the bags of coins, but don't let go. They turn their backs to the camera, then throw their arms out at the same time. It's almost as if maybe they're doing a version of rock, paper, scissors, but we don't see the outcome of it. Um, they turn around and Tai Pao reluctantly gives Yi Pao the bag as they walk back to town. Yeah, their their hand gestures are, are classic. Oh, so good. So good. Hey, everybody. Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. Hello, and welcome to Vampire. Vampire is a wildly ambitious, independent horror comedy film. It is fun, sexy, thrilling, and unpredictable from start to finish. On the surface, Vampire is a slasher flick set in the 90s. References Bambi, but it's not just, oh, Bambi, but horror. It's its own thing, and it has a real story to tell. Vampire is a story that I wrote to encapsulate my own experience growing up in the wilds of Alaska, seeing humankind interact with nature. So to me, Vampire is just like a fantastic horror comedy, just like a classic kind of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, early Scream era. It's also a gore fest that will make you wonder if we took the actors back there and really mauled them like that. It is going to be so wildly entertaining. It's visceral. It's energetic, it's emotional, 
it's popcorn, it's candy, it feels like watching a movie. It's a, it's a movie. And now, back to the show. The two men walk into the casino to gamble, but the dealer thinks they're poor. Yipao pulls out the bag of coins and shakes it. The owner looks at it and nods. They go to gamble and make a funny hand gesture with two domino pieces, then slap them down on the table. This yeah, is what was good. Yeah, yeah, it's just like a you know brother handshake, bro handshake. Did you and Eric ever have one of those, or was he too busy dropping his balls on your head while you slept? I think you just answered your own question. <laughs> one of these days, one of these days, he's gonna listen to all of these. Because he told his he told his friend about our podcast. Mm-hmm. He's like, because he doesn't he doesn't listen to podcasts. I think he listens to like audiobooks, which is fine. And he's like, yeah, you should check it out. And uh, I think someone said, yeah, I listened to your brother's podcast. It's really good. And I'm like, dun 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 dun. Inner monologue. <laughs> oh shit! Did he tell him about me besmirching my brother? Dun 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 dun. I'm like, oh, that's cool. That's great. Say, tell him thanks. Dun 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 dun. All I can picture is one day Eric's going to sit down, he's going to put his headphones in, he's going to start listening, and he's going to be like in this chair, and all we're going to see is his reaction (laughs) in his face, and it's going to be the Jaws camera work where the camera (laughs) zooms on him, but the background goes away, and his jaw just opens. (laughs) And then that Golden Harvest, dong, dong, dong. Oh, God. Well, you know what, Eric, if you're listening to this, well, maybe you need to hear it, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Eric, you know I love you, but that shit, you know, come on, you know. I love you. you. Uh, So they appear to win the pot. Uh, There's multiple times in this movie where they're gambling. I don't know what the game is at all. Same. I mean, look, at one point they're using buttons. I'm like... (laughs) Who the hell uses buttons? What game is this? All I know is like mahjong and and uh, the the like the 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 pinball kind of game that they had back in the day that um, Charlie Brewster had in his bedroom when uh, Jerry Dandridge came in and he kicked the glass out of it. I, I had that actually. We had that growing up. I don't know why. Anyways, um, those are the only games I know from you know overseas. Yeah. So call. I'm just. I'm just a. It's a dumb white boy. Yeah, me, me too, buddy. All I know is Chinese checkers and mahjong, my man. So I and this like this one here, they're playing with dominoes, but they're not like our size, like you know, dominoes. They're different. And then later is going to be the one with the buttons. Oh yeah, and the domino game they played in um, Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah, that's right. I think yeah, I, I knew I sort of recognized it. Yeah, yeah. All right, so they win the pot. That's great. The dealer passes them the money, but the owner stops him and says he wants to see the stake money first because they never, like, cashed in their chips or anything. Right. Yipow happily obliges, but when he dumps the content of the bag, everyone sees that their coins are fake. Yipow and Tai Pao are genuinely surprised by this. The owner tells his men to give them back their, mo- their Mickey Mouse money and teach them a lesson. All the employees and dealers at the casino attack Yipow and Tai Pao as the rest of the regular patrons clear out. We get a full brawl between Yip Pao and Tai Pao in the whole casino. 
Yipao holds his own with more traditional kung fu moves, while Taipao's more unique style has him evading his attackers under a table multiple times in a row, getting kicked as he pops up, landing behind the table, crawling under, getting kicked when he pops up, rinse and repeat until he gets the upper hand. And that was when I was like, man, that this dude's body is in peak shape because the fact that he can be on the ground, he get, he stands up but then launches himself backwards when he gets kicked by the other actors lands crawls under again has to stand like the whole, like happens like five or six times it's so acrobatic it's so acrobatic you know but people often say rightfully so that jackie chan is just you know a phenomenal uh acrobatic martial artist the, the, all of these guys are equally in that same boat no i thank you for bringing up acrobatic i think that is a fantastic term to describe like the level of skill that these guys have. Yeah. Yeah. It's underappreciated for sure. Yipao tells them to back off before he really gets mad, but then he gets punched. He says he's going to use a little Thai boxing and then beats up some guys. He fights another casino thug on top of a table using his throw, cut, press, and plunge technique. When the guy, when the guy and others attack Yipao, he says, throw, cut, press, plunge, hit. Each time he uses the technique on people. When he meets another fighter who can parry the throat cut, press, and plunge technique, Yipao says he won't hit the man. In the Hong Kong theatrical cut, he says he won't hit a fellow disciple. He doesn't say that in this version. Interesting. Just It's, it's weird because it's just one word or just like one little phrase, but yet they chose to not use it and change it. Yeah, interesting. Then he turns around and kicks the guy because he never said he wouldn't kick him. He just said he wouldn't hit him. The two men fight off their attackers for a short time, with Taipao's style being a bit more comical, but they eventually lose the battle since they're outnumbered. The casino gang holds Yipao and Taipao as the owner walks over. He says they should carve them up, but Taipao says it was all his idea. Yipao agrees and says it was a bad idea as he slaps Taipao in the face multiple times. The owner of the casino has had enough and orders the men to throw Yipao and Taipao out of the building. So... We get our first big set piece, like fight piece, and we're going to get again later in the casino, but it'll be bigger. And I think this movie does a great job of every set piece gets bigger and bigger and bigger as it as the movie builds up. Yeah, they're almost recognizing the fact that each fight scene has to become better than the last one. Yeah, because that's going to be the arc for these two guys. Right. As Yipao and Taipao walk through the market, they figure out how to make more money. Yipao holds up his older brother's hands and says, maybe they can make some money from this. Taipao pulls his hand away and says, not my jade ring. Just because you've gone and sold yours, you keep your hands off mine. They walk past a man selling freshly caught and gutted fish. The two men walk up to him and ask if the fish are really fresh. The merchant says, see for yourself. Taipao, who's wearing a long sleeve top, sticks his two arms in a giant pot of water and fish. A giant pot of water with fish in it. He pulls his arms out with fish clearly in his sleeve, wiggling around, and says, the man's lying. They're all dead. <laughs> Yipao and Taipao <laughs> walk away. And I, I love, like, Taipao's, like, facial expressions and everything. Yeah, it's great. It's, yeah, no, it's great. I don't like fish. I don't want to touch fish, bro. I don't want them touching me. I mean, I like to eat fish, but I don't want fucking, I hate live fish. Fish freak me out, man. They're gross. Really? Yeah. Touching all slimy and shit. I remember we'd go fishing at the lake, and, and Eric, my brother, would be like, I'm not cleaning it. 
and my dad's like, you have to clean the fish. That's what you do. You catch the fish, you have to clean it. And he's like, my oh, I can't. I'm grossed out by it. Do you know how to clean a fish then? Like, yeah. To gut it and debone it and all that kind of shit? Yep. No I had to shit. cut the head off. And, you know, I, I wasn't perfect at it. A little sunfish, you know. Yeah. I don't want to put the worm on the hook. I'm like, come on, dude. Oh, it's gross. Okay. In this regard, I was Eric. <laughs> yeah. It's all good. So do you ever take Bodie fishing or is that something that ever stuck with you? Yeah, he took, I took him fishing up in Tahoe and he caught, uh, he caught at least one or two fish one time. And, um, did you catch and release them or did you eat them? I think we ate them. Wow. I didn't know this about you, buddy. Yeah. I love, I love to fish. I haven't done it all. I haven't done it a lot, but I'll happily put a worm on a hook and look, I have a bearded dragon lizard that totally creeps Corey out by the way. (laughs) And I have to feed that thing blue worms, meal worms, wax worms, all sorts of worms that are creepy crawly and I'll crawl all over you. I put those things in my hand and he likes eats them out of my hand. So I don't mind. Okay. Okay. I fell through a floor once and had maggots <laughs> yeah. all over me. So I <laughs> told that story. story. That story is nightmare fuel right there. <sighs> yeah. um, go back and listen yeah. to that one. You know what, buddy? I would, uh, I'd go fishing with you, man. Like I- I'm not, I-, I actually am not against it. Like I would do it. It's, you know, just to go chill. I actually like fishing in video games, you know? <laughs> oh God. I'm really good at Bassmaster. Um, <laughs> Zach rolled his eyes. I've never seen Zach roll his eyes so hard before. <laughs> I will happily. You live up in Oregon, and I'm sure there's beautiful places to go fishing up there. Yeah, fishing's fun. My whole thing is, I don't do catch and release. If you're gonna, if you're gonna catch it, you're gonna eat that sucker. Right. Yeah, I was always felt bad for the fish if it's going to get a hook in its mouth. You know, like just I commit mean, to it. Circle of life, yo. Circle of poop, <laughs> as South Park would say. Uh... But this is a funny scene though, where he has the fish up his sleeve, and it's they're they're like wacky vagabonds you know it is totally a a throwback to silent era type films you know charlie chaplin little hobo or whatever the tramp yeah the tramp and um laurel and hardy obviously they they make the 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 marx brother reference but yeah marx brothers too like all that stuff it's it's screwball comedy kung fu style kung fu style with amazing physicality to it look at the amazing physicality They walk into a restaurant and order a bunch of fish dishes. They tell the waiter to bring over a basket, and Taipal drops six fresh fish out of his sleeves onto the woven container. The waiter looks (laughs) amazed. As he leaves, Taipal says they'll need some tea, rice, and cash as well for for a tip. So I guess it's it's not a restaurant where I guess you buy food or it can prepare the fish that you've caught or something like that. Um, there's a few times, like I said, there's a lot of stuff in this movie where I'm like, I don't quite understand what it's, is this a restaurant? You know what I mean? But I guess you, you bring your own meat to it and they'll cook it and put it with other things that you want. Sure. Yeah, sure. Yipal says he has an idea and looks around the restaurant. He sees an old man sitting at a table eating alone. He also notices the man has a bag wrapped and sitting on a chair next to him. He looks back to Taipal and says, we're all set for a good meal apart from one thing, a sucker. Yipal says there's one right behind them and motions to the old man. Again, the old man has fake salted hair and a fake white mustache to look like he's, you know, 60-something, but I'm sure he's 29 or 31 or something, you know? He's got the experience of a 65-year-old man, but he's got the body of a 29-year-old man. (laughs) That's every woman's dream, isn't it? (laughs) 
And it, Shh. and it should be noted that this old man is who will be later referred to as uh, the the old fox or the fox. The fox, yeah. the fox, baby. He's the fox. I love that, by the way. I love. I I just I love the fox character name. Oh no, that's fucking awesome, dude. Especially since I was a big uh, Metal Gear fan. That kind of reminds me of like Foxhound and shit like that. Oh. <laughs> I'm more of a gamer than Zach is. Yipao whispers in Taipao's ear, <laughs> and then the older man says it better work. The jade ring is all he has left. He takes off the ring and hand, hands it to Yipao. The younger man then wraps up the ring in a little red handkerchief and walks over to the old man. He pretends to trip, which is it's a very elaborate pretend, but it's funny. He yeah. lands on the old man's bag, and as he does... <laughs> Old man's bag. Give it here, yo. Old man's bag. bag? Yeah, no, I was we go from of... the gate with giant holes to old man bag. No, I was I was thinking of uh, what Jerry says to the old lady with the marble rye. Give it here, yo. Bag. Oh, yeah. <laughs> runs away. Old bag is a funny expression. I guess because it's like a wrinkled brown bag. Yeah, yeah, and it's like I always like it because it was like it feels like it's one of those old expressions, you know? Right. Which is why I always thought it was funny that Jerry said it to that lady, y'all bag, and then just goes running away, you know? Yeah, that's great. <laughs> so as he does, he secretly shoves the handkerchief inside. At the same time, when he's like, he sort of lands on top of the bag and shoves the handkerchief with the jade ring inside of it. At the same time, we see Tai Pao walk out of the restaurant. Yi Pao apologizes to the old man and leaves, and the old man chuckles to himself. He then spins his bag around. It's like the camera sort of under the chair. Spins the bag around in the chair and then grabs the handkerchief out of it and puts it in his pocket. Just then, Tai Pao walks in with two officers and the police captain. So, in the Hong Kong release, his name is Captain Baldy, which is funny because he's got a bald head. And he's doing this technique as he walks in where he's like rubbing his head and he's kind of walking with a a crooked back like he's got scoliosis like he's hunched over but he's doing this kind of like smooth like he's smoothing out his hair kind of thing but he's bald it's really funny he's very expressive it's it's like very overly theatrical and i love it so do i dude again he might actually be my favorite character in the whole movie but yeah like when he comes over and they sort of bring him over to the old man he sticks like he puts his foot up on the chair but then kind of leans in and rubs his head but then moves his like head at the same time it's like one beautiful asshole motion you know one beautiful asshole motion brought to you by Corey stevenson podcasting after dark Put that on the shirt. One beautiful asshole One beautiful motion. asshole motion. <laughs> so all four men walk directly over to the old man who's still sitting and eating. And as I said, the police captain puts his leg on the chair, rubs his head, and then points at the old man. Mister, he claims you've stolen his bag. The old man asks if Tai Pao is certain that this is his bag. The captain looks at the grifter and says, that's a, that's a good point the old man has. And he kind of has this like high pitched talk, like he talks like this, especially in the um the his actual voice, like in the the subtitled version. He kind of talks like this, like that, like very high pitched, with a hint of a British accent. Well, <laughs> yeah, in the in the export cut, yeah. Um, so so he asks if Tai Pao can can prove it's his bag. He says, "Sure, there's a jade ring wrapped in a red cloth. It was my father. It has my father's name on it." The captain tells him to open the bag, but when Tai Pao does, he doesn't find the ring. The old man laughs and says, 
If there's no cloth and no ring, it can't be his bag. The captain rubs his head and laughs, then smacks Tai Pao across the face. When Tai Pao goes to punch him in the dick, because he's kind of knocks him down to the ground a little bit, the captain raises his shirt to reveal his pistol. Tai Pao pretends to sort of shine it, but it comes off a little bit uh, blowjobby. Yeah, it's because he when he reveals it, he's like, it's very, it's kind of sexualized. Yeah. And, and I like the poster cover. <laughs> Look at me with my low belly button. I don't, I just, it just makes me uncomfortable. This movie has like no sexuality to it whatsoever. Whatsoever. Except for the movie poster and except for this one micro moment right here. Yeah, it's weird. It's, but it doesn't take anything. I mean, look, before anyone goes, why do you have a problem with it? It's just weird. It's just weird. It doesn't matter whether it's a guy or girl. I need, it doesn't matter. It's just kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, hey, look at waka waka. Like, I don't know. And again, to quote Seinfeld, not that there's anything wrong with that. Like, we don't, we don't <laughs> have anything wrong with it. It just, no. tonally, it doesn't sort of fit with the whole movie. Yeah, it just makes you like, oh, okay, sure, next. Yeah. It's like the hairy mole. Like, I don't need that. I don't need that. I don't it's, need to see the guy playing sexy, with Jack. his mole. It's not sexy. And it's not like, yeah, it's just kind of like, ugh, not, ugh, no. Well, at least you got the one scene, the other scene with the hairy moles cut from it. Yeah, true. Yeah. Uh, I had to watch wanna, it twice. I'm going <laughs> to cut that mole off as the blood just, like, drains out of it. And they got to cauterize it because it won't stop bleeding. Oh, God. Because you cut into a mole and it just goes. Oh, is that, what, is that why you can't sort of remove them yourself sort of thing? Yeah, because, I, I mean, I don't think I've ever had a mole like that. Maybe you've had a skin tag and I just pulled it off, you know? Occasionally you do that as you get older. Just pull it off and it's like, just it hurts like a son of a bitch. And then, you know, it's like when you expose a blister, right? And, you, and that, that skin is super raw and hard. And then it just drains blood. This is making everyone Jeez sick right now. God. And I'm, I'm, I'm loving this. It just drains blood out, you know, and it won't stop. And you take a lit match and then you like, no, I'm joking. You don't do that. Don't like, do that. Like like you're in the fucking jungle of Nam or something, and you got to cauterize a wound with fire? Yeah. I remember seeing a movie once where they some guy cauterized something. And I'm like, could I do that? If I had to, I would. <laughs> don't be picking on moles, guys. Go get it checked out by a dermatologist. Exactly. Exactly. I, I have a dermatology appointment to just get a body you know, check and, and whatnot. I mean, we're getting yeah. old, man. And I'm so fair-skinned, I, I got to start looking for fucking uh, uh, skin cancer and shit like that, you know? I mean, you never know. It's like, yeah. Guys and gals, go get your checkups. <laughs> and this is your old man corner, podcast after dark. Go get <laughs> your colonoscopy, hey. too. <laughs> oh, yeah, I got to do that. I do, too. I do, too. God damn oh, it. God. Jesus Christ. Oh, Jesus. God help us. Zach and I are old. <laughs> and if you want more of this, sign up to Podcasting After Dark's Patreon, patreon.com slash Podcasting After Dark. Paulette just pulled over to the side of the road, and she's like, come on. Get <laughs> this back is what to I movie. paid for? <laughs> yes. Your colonoscopy talk? Do you not know Paulette, us? <laughs> does this surprise you? You know who we are. <laughs> a little bit. She's a, probably a little bit. Yeah, she's kind of a newer uh, patron. So, right. yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Paulette. We'll, we'll keep the colonoscopy and bleeding skin tag uh, comments to a minimum moving forward. <laughs> I, yeah, exactly. Uh, the police captain tells Taipao that people in town must respect the law. We want no thieves or conmen. Get out of town. Understand? 
Taipel says he does, and the captain turns around to walk away, but the con man sort of walks, like Taipel sort of walks closely behind him, and when the captain turns around, he's startled by Taipel. I fucking loved that. <laughs> Me too. Me too. It's, yeah, I, yeah. Every it's little stupid, moment is so fun. Good. Exactly. Yeah. Taipel walks over and stands by Yipal. The younger man says, uh, he knows the ring was in there, but Taipel says his ring is gone, and he looks sort of surprised and sad. Oh, that poor ring. Oh, Captain Baldy. That'll be the last time we see him, right? Right. Cut to the old man that they tried to con walking on a path in the woods. Yipal and Taipel walk up to him and tell the old man to give him back the jade ring. When the man refuses, Taipel goes to attack him, but the old man quickly punches him in the face, knocking him out. Yipal pretends to act scared and turns to run, but then tries to kick the old man. But the old man parries it and knocks the young grifter to the ground. <laughs> Taipal gets up and attacks, but is knocked back down with one punch to the face. He now has two black eyes. Yipal attacks, and the old man fends, fends him off with one hand, sending him to the ground as well. Taipal tries, tries uh, to attack a third time, but again is knocked down. Yipao attacks, and the old man gets him in an arm bar, just using his leg. He tells the two con men that he's going to show them some real kung fu. As the old man has Yipao locked up with his one leg, he kicks Taipao in the face with his other. He then does a bunch of precise punches to Yipao's arm, rendering it dead and dangling. It's great physical comedy. Yeah, and... You know that this kind of fighting is not if 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 what you're used to in fight scenes is what you'd see like in John Wick or what's popular now. It's not that. It's very choreographed, but it's beautifully choreographed. It's it's a different kind of choreography. Yes, it's very much like a dance, and uh, you know, and, and it's it's not like a lot of cuts. It's a lot of like one camera shot, you know, and stuff like that. They, they don't have as many cuts as I think people would be used to nowadays as well. There's a funny um, there's a funny comedian named Pablo Francisco who does a hilarious bit about Jackie Chan. And when the, the fight scenes from back in the day when they're fighting, he's like, doesn't it sound like they're saying pan whenever they're fighting? <laughs> pan, 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 pan. I do wonder where the... Like, I was starting to listen because it's all these sound effects are so, again, this is like this movie's nostalgic, even if you've never seen it, because all, right. all it sounds like all the other kung fu movies with those sound effects. All the same. What What is that sound when he put that, that ch, ch, when they hit somebody? Like, where did that sound originally come from? I don't know. I'm sure there's a documentary on it, but, you know we're too lazy to do any research when it comes to that stuff so uh no i'm kidding sort of um no but i love that 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 just that stock footage sound pan (laughs) and then the music throughout this is so great again it's nostalgic too because it was it felt like the same kind of music that was featured in all these other movies it's kind of whimsical tones and everything it's great yeah, I, I liked it too, and I, I'm not as musically inclined as you are, but I definitely enjoyed the music in it. I enjoy the music in you. <laughs> Taipal gets up and attacks for the fourth time and is destroyed yet again. The old man says, so you want your broken ring back, and puts the jade ring on Taipal's finger. Taipal says it isn't broken. Then the old man smashes Taipal's hand against a rock, breaking the ring. Oh. 
<laughs> so sad. You're like, no, but he kind of deserved it. Yeah, yeah, no. They're, they're hustlers, guys. Yeah, they're hustlers, man. The old man walks away, leaving the two brothers broken. Tai Pao asks what they're going to do for, now for money. Yi Pao says he has an idea. What they need is a little free board and lodging. They'll con the old man. They'll tell him they want him want to serve him and learn his kung fu. Once they learn his skills, they walk away. Tai Pao thinks this is a great idea. If they know his kung fu, they can take on anyone and never go hungry again. Both men go running after the old man. Now, some of the dialogue is, was cut, I think, from this version with the Hong Kong version. But yeah. the overall idea is that with a master apprentice scenario is that they'll be very subservient to him, but he will have to pay for everything. And you get that idea here that, that it's not lost on you in this version, but they say that more specifically in the other version. It makes sense. Yeah. And I'm sure when they cut it for the international one is for timing and, you know. I also wanted to point out really quickly because I had just mentioned it. Uh, the the composer is named Frankie Chan. Okay, he composed over one hundred and thirty seven movies. He's like the John Williams of of kung fu movies. I mean, that's insane. Yeah, it's insane. So one hundred and thirty seven movies. So that makes sense why you would say, "Oh, this this sounds familiar," because you know all his movies were mo- mostly martial art movies, but just like so wild how many movies he's done you know so anyways just want to shout out frankie chan the composer of this film nice no good call bro good call when they catch up to him the old man thinks he's in for another fight but the young grifters plead their case ah by the way one day we're gonna have to cover grifters i love that movie so much oh yeah hopefully when uh trump gets indicted and is thrown in jail. Like when Trump is thrown in jail, then we'll do grifters for the grifts. Yeah. Actually, let's do that. Uh, when he gets thrown, when he gets convicted and he's gone from our psyche, we will do a tribute month of like grift movies where like people get their comeuppance. Dude, you see those fucking shoes, man? <laughs> what a fucking piece of shit. What a for loser. $400? God, yeah. he's a fucking loser and every all magtards are fucking losers. Yep, sorry y'all. So, and if anyone su- supports him that listens to our show, just peace out. Peace. Like, ha- have a good life. <laughs> listen to us, don't listen to him. To to quote Curly Bill, well, bye. bye. <laughs> <laughs> That's a oh. shout out to you, Aaron Don Gilmer. Manic Movie Monday podcast. Oh man, I love Tombstone by the way. Me too. And I love me some Powers Booth. Ah, me too, buddy. Oh, God, that movie's so good. And fucking, oh, Michael Bean is so great in that movie. My God, Tombstone. Oh, Tombstone. Oh, my God. Oh, Tombstone. (laughs) Pushing stones out of my... Ow! (laughs) So they plead their case. They say they've never lost a fight before until now. They figure they could learn a thing or two from them and uh, would give them a chance to be their... And would like to give them a chance to be their master. The old man says, why should he be their master? Tai Pao says, because they're both strong, handsome, and well-behaved men. Yi Pao says, they're both healthy and aren't into drugs or sex. Losers. The old I man's... Mean, <laughs> I mean, that, that shows you what the times were like back then. I know. The old man starts walking away and suggests that they live in a monastery then. Uh, the old master declines their offer. He doesn't want to look after two pups. Yipao says uh, Kung Fu is in his blood. He's been practicing since he was a kid. He knows all the styles. 
and he does a quick demonstration of the technique he know of the techniques he knows. The old man asks, "If you already know so much, what else can I teach you?" Taipao then runs up and says, "He's never learned kung fu. Teach him." The old man says, "If he's never learned, then he won't make it." Taipao says, "He knows he knows some from watching his brother, but if he teaches them his techniques, then they will teach it." After he's gone, the old master will be remembered forever. As the two brothers fight over how to convince the old master to teach them, he walks away. They run after him and find the old man standing by the bank of a river. There's a boatman. Boatman? 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 Boat, boatman? Uh, boatman. 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 Okay. Boatman? Hooperman? Hemen? Hooperman? <laughs> Shout out to Hooperman. <laughs> There's a boatman going down the stream. Stream. And the old man tells him to come closer so he can cross. Come closer. Look at my filth. Look uh. at my Biore strip. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. The man gets his boat as close to the shore as he can, but it's too shallow. The old man will have to walk in the water to get to him. Yipao tells Taipao to be a bridge for the old man. His back is stronger. Taipao says they'll toss for it. Both men turn their backs again to the camera and make arm motions like before. When they turn around, you think Tai Pao lost based on their reactions, but just then Yi Pao falls and extends himself from the shore to the to the boat, and he's the bridge. I like that little bait and switch because he like Yi Pao's kind of smiling, Tai Pao's kind of frowning, and then Yi Pao just falls essentially. Yeah, it's funny, and you can tell that the actor is on a like a wooden plank you know you can i mean the 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 effects are a little shoddy but it's still a great moment now that being said when tai pal tries to walk across his back and they both fall in i think there's a nanosecond there where the actor is not on a, a plank and is actually like, they have to set that shot up, you know what I mean? And and granted, it's not, like, a lot of footage, but I guarantee you for, like, a nanosecond, he was holding the actor up with his back, essentially. Oh, yeah, probably. Because the, the, the wooden plank wasn't there at that point. Yeah, I mean, these guys, you can tell that when they wince and it's not scripted. Yeah, yeah. So, Tai Pao walks on his back to test Yi Pao's uh, human bridge and jumps up and down, much to the younger man's dismay. Once he's satisfied it's safe, he lets the old man walk over to the boat. Once the old master's on the boat, Tai Pao starts walking on Yi Pao's back, but starts jumping up and down again. Yi Pao says he can't hold on much longer, and they both fall in the water. And yeah, there's like this like shot where you can tell for like a second he's actually standing on his back, and then he kind of releases, and they fall in. Yeah. Cut to the old master walking into a restaurant with the two brothers following behind, dripping wet and cold. A waiter asks how many. Yi Pao says three. Are you blind? Taifal steps up and says, the old man sits and they stand. The waiter shows them to a table and the old man goes to sit down. But Yi Pao sticks out his back for the old man to sit on while he cleans the chair. Then he slides the chair un like sort of under his own legs and under the master's legs. The old man rolls his eyes. He tries to order, but the brothers order for him in unison. The waiter brings out the trays of food, and the old man starts to eat, but is stopped when he hears both of his would-be students' stomachs growling with hunger. He chuckles to himself, then orders two more bowls of rice and tells the young men to eat. They both eagerly tear into the food, and we see the rice bowls pile up on the table. The old master gets the check, and they leave, and they go to leave. The two brothers grab the master's bag, but fight over who should carry it. 
They both end up holding it together as they leave the restaurant. So a couple of things of note here, like there's no need to sort of do that butt sit thing, but it was awesome. Like it's I love funny. that. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. It was cool. And then that fucking chicken head that Tai Pao eats. Did you notice that? Yeah. Gross. Yeah. I mean, I would, you would need a chicken head. Would you? Yeah, I would try it. Would you? Are you that yeah. person? Like you try like yeah. eyeballs and shit? Oh yeah, we were at um we were at a Oh gosh, some Chinese restaurant up in the Bay Area. It was a big family uh, gathering and it was Chris- Christmas Day and your roast has been destroyed by <laughs> the Bumpus's dogs. How'd you know? It's almost <laughs> like they recreated that in a movie or something. Uh and there was a fish eyeball and I think one of Kristen's cousins was joking like, oh, if you eat it, it's good luck. And I'm like, oh, I'll eat it. And they're like, no, I'm joking. I'm like, no, I'll totally eat it. And I ate it. It was, it was gross, but I ate it. I'll eat it. I'll put, I'll put anything in my mouth. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> okay. All right. I I can't do that. I I've learned. I feel like I've learned two so new we've learned about you yeah, today. I've learned th- new things about you too. You only fish if it's in a video game, and uh, you won't stick random things in your mouth. And most listeners are now going, "I'm with Corey." We also learned don't pick at skin tags, and uh, if you're over the age of 45, you need your get your colonoscopy. Yes. Zach and I are both over the age of 45. Don't cauterize your moles, and uh, you know cough oh god moon river (laughs) using the whole fist there doc just relax just relax ever serve time (laughs) oh Oh, it's not for a lack of looking cut to the old master training the two brothers (laughs) at his home slash dojo i guess yeah it's awesome yeah i know this is awesome too Taipao is like rolling a ball around in his arms and complaining while Yipao is stretching his leg on a pulley device. Now, the ball that Taipao has, it's about a basketball-sized ball. Yes. The older man hears the complaining and takes the ball from Taipao, then tells him to attack. The older brother does, and the master blocks him and returns the attack without ever dropping the ball from between his arms. The old master hands Taipao uh, the ball back, and both brothers go back to training. It's really cool, like how he. God, dude, it's fucking awesome, man. Just yeah, like, again, you like it's hard to describe. It's better just to see it. But the, the choreography is amazing. Mm-hmm. Athleticism. Uh, athleticism. I mean, yes, these are fucking athletes. Each and every one of them, even Sammo Hung. Oh yeah, no doubt. We see a fade indicating a time jump, and now the brothers are sparring against each other. Even Taipao's techniques have improved. They stop when they see their master watching and run over to him. He says, you've been training well. You've made good progress. No ordinary person can beat you. Keep practicing. The old man leaves, and Taipao wants to go back to practicing, but Yipao says, did you hear the master? He said, no ordinary person can beat us. Taipao laughs and says, you're not thinking about. Of course I am, his brother replies. But where do we find ordinary people? Yipao says, that's no problem. Follow me. <laughs> ordinary people. Zach, when it comes to kung fu fighting, I'd say we're less than ordinary people. Yeah, but I can go. 
Oh, we'd both get our asses kicked. <laughs> yes. As Johnny Yu would say in The Last Dragon, I know the art of fighting without knowing how to fight. Oh. I don't know the art of fighting without knowing how to fight. <laughs> Just basically bullshit your way through it. Okay. You can do that. Yeah, I think so. Cut to the two brothers at the casino from earlier. They walk over to the table where I have no clue how. This is the game with the buttons. There's a button. It's a game with the buttons, guys. It's buttons. <laughs> it's buttons, guys. It's, it's, all it's buttons. like Othello where all the pieces are white. <laughs> it's, it's What does he say? It's all it's all ball bearings these days, guys. Come on. It's all ball bearings. Hey! Hey! <laughs> 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 oh, dude, we talked about it on wrap up after dark, but like those, these are dream breakdowns, and we just know they're going to be crazy. But like one day we want to break down Zach's favorite movie, uh, Boogie Nights. We just don't know how to do it because it's going to be like a six-hour episode. Same right. for Aliens, uh, but we also want to break down Fletch one of these days. We just don't really know how to do it, but it's going to be like our Fort Fairlane episode. It's just going to be us fucking doing lines and quotes and laughing at each other. I mean, we're literally just going to be probably reading the script verbatim <laughs> and, and laughing at everything we fucking say and that is not a problem Mm-mm. yeah oh man that's that's one of our pinnacle movies right there no doubt about that always the con man yippa whispers something into his brother's ear and they turn around and secretly take the white buttons off his shirt and yippow hides them in his hands taipal goes over to another table to be a distraction i don't think it's actually another table I think it's the end of this table Right. Um, but I think I was wrong in my, my breakdown right there. Just then, the beggar walks in to gamble with the two coins he has. Sam O'Hung, guys. Sam O'Hung. With the, with the twitching in the eyes. Because we haven't seen him for a minute. Yes, you're right. No, you're good good call. Thank you for pointing that out. The beggar, Sam O'Hung, bets against Yipao at the table. As the dealer is counting the buttons, the younger brother winks at his older accomplice. Taipao then lets out a huge scream, and everyone looks. <laughs> As he does, Yipao drops his button on the table and wins the bet. The dealer gives Yipao his money and sets up another round. Everyone places their bets. The beggar notices something is wrong. The dealer starts counting the buttons, and Yipao winks at his brother, but the beggar sees this. As Taipao yells, Yipao tries to drop the button again, but everyone at the table sees it this time. So I rewound it multiple times, because as you can see my breakdown... I thought that Sam O'Hung had something to do with it, but I can't... And even in both versions, to me, it just plays out that when Tai Pao, the second time, yells out, Yi Pao goes to stick his hand out, but everyone quickly looks backwards at them, you know, looks back at Yi Pao. And so he's sort of stuck there with his arm out, but then the beggar, Sam O'Hung's kind of sticking his head next to him and looking. But the beggar didn't do anything... Unless, did you see something different? Like, no, why did I, everyone I don't... turn their head back? Why did they ever, everyone turn their head back after the scream? Yeah, like back at Yipao this time. Like, it didn't work. Like, why didn't it work the second time? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I, 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 I mean, I don't think the beggar had anything to do with this, though. Exactly, but yeah, it's weirdly it sort of sets up that it, it like you think he's going to maybe. Uh, yeah. Yeah, because cause he is also a trickster, too. Right. But he's a trickster in kind of a Robin Hood kind of way. 
Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just maybe I just was t- maybe I was queuing in on something that really wasn't ever even there. This is the problem with breaking a movie down. Sometimes you're like, why? There must be a why. Where's the why? <laughs> Kaiser Soze. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, you're right. No, it's like I'm looking for the Kaiser Soze in this moment, and maybe it's just it's everything. There's nothing to look deeper into. It's just everyone's head. They just turn back because they're not going to be fooled by the same you know trick twice. Essentially, yeah. Well, you know, the what's that line from Usual Suspects about the devil and the... Was it the greatest trick the devil pulled was making you believe that he didn't exist or something like that? Or... Yeah. Yeah, it has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but now I'm thinking, I can't stop thinking about Kaiser Soze. That's like one of those movies where you watched it so much at a, at a very specific time, and then I still quote it, like I'll still say, yeah, flip you, flip you for real, you know? But yet yeah. I haven't seen it in like... What, 20 years at this point? I haven't seen so many of those movies, specifically starring Kevin Spacey in Forever. And. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if I was going to watch a Kevin Spacey <laughs> movie, it'd be The Ref at this point. I know. I love The Ref. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, he's back. He went to, uh, he was at like Monster Pol- some yeah. Yeah. convention, and people are like, you know, the guy was acquitted and he he didn't get found guilty of any charges. But yet here we are in a culture that the minute something gets put out there, canceled. Same sort of thing with uh, Richard Stanley got canceled, and then the the charges got dropped. I I kind of tried. No one into talks this. about it. Yeah, yeah. No one talks about that. You know, type of thing. Yeah. I don't know. It's tricky. It's tricky because I know Kevin Spacey is, uh, was uh, there's a there's a guy who makes these really cool. This is a little tangent. The guy who makes these really cool horror inspired figurines i've talked about him before it's called attack of the clay people okay and he made a kevin spacey uh like the the seven killer right with Mm -hmm. the fingerprints and everything yeah and he gave it to him and and kevin spacey like gave him a shout out on his instagram page and made this like nice tribute video about going to the convention and meeting all these all the fans and seeing old friends and blah 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 it was just an interesting I'm not saying it's one thing or another. I'm not I'm not endorsing him positively or negatively. I'm just saying it's it's an interesting world we live in when we have a someone who's considered one of the, you know, best actors of his generation at at one point and uh but then people want to just throw him like totally just kick him to the side when accusations come out. It's it's just interesting. You know, I don't know. I, if anyone is interested, you should check out his Instagram, the little video he made, because it's, 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 it's interesting. It's interesting. <laughs> like going into a casino and having a guy twitching next to you and looking <laughs> at your armpit. He's like, because Samuel Hung, by the way, the 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 beggar is like right up on Yi Pao's like under his arm practically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Watching yes. everything unfold. Yes. So back to your <laughs> schedule programming paulette i apologize my rant is over tangent is over so he's so yipao is you know his hand is is standing it's it's hands stuck there with the about to drop the button and everyone now you know sees it the young grifter tries to blame it on the beggar but his coat doesn't have any buttons then the man grabs yipao's hand and everyone sees all the buttons he was holding the dealer gets pissed and yipao says he can explain He then jumps up on a table and tells everyone in the casino they're going to celebrate. The joint is closing and to come back tomorrow. All the regular patrons grumble and leave. It's a little weird. I know. 
Like, I can explain. And then he jumps up, you know? Well, yeah, because he, like, everyone leaves. They don't even know who they are. But none of the casino people say anything. Yeah. They just let everyone leave, you know? Continue. <laughs> you got to get the ordinary people out of there so they can have a big fight here, you know? <laughs> True. Oh, God. Oh, sorry. We're supposed to have a fight. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. So, so you want us to leave because the script calls for it. Got it. Okay, understood. Sorry. Got it. Okay, every <laughs> out. Out. It's in the script. We got to go, guys. Come on. Uh, the owner and his men surround the two brothers. Yipal says he'll bet odds. Taipal says he'll he takes evens. The owner yells, not you two mothers again. Kill the pair of them. And his men attack. Yipal and Taipal use their new techniques to make short work of the casino goons, all while keeping track of how many men they knocked out. Taipal wins because the number of men on their back is even. Yipal pays his brother a stack of coins, but then sees the owner cowering behind a table. As he walks over to the older man, we see the beggar, Sam Hung, snatch the stack of coins out of Taipal's jacket pocket without him realizing. Again. Yipal brings the owner over to Taipal and laughs. The older brother punches him. <laughs> the older brother punches the boss in the face and says, God damn you. If you'd stayed down, I would have won. I love how the owner cowers and says, I'll, I'll stay down next time. <laughs> right, right. Yipal tells his brother to hand over the coins, but they're gone. They look over and see the beggar counting them. He laughs and runs out the door with the two brothers in pursuit. Outside in the street, the brothers see the beggar give the coins to a group of other beggars. Sammo Hung says, you wouldn't try robbing a beggar, would you? Then he was, oh, hold on, it's, it's Cockney. Uh, David Irons, you wouldn't try. It's funny as David doesn't have a Cockney accent. He doesn't, but that's just like David's when he when he makes fun of people from that region. You wouldn't try to rob a beggar, would you? Then he tells the group to leave, and all three men watch the train of beggars walk away. Yi Pao and Tai Pao said they're going to kick the beggar's ass, but Sammo Hung says he can handle it. Yipao attacks, but is easily beaten by the beggar's monkey style. He yells out for his brother's help. Taipao tries punching the beggar, but the opponent moves out of the way, and he punches Yipao in the back instead. Sammo Hung then fights both men, but instead of hitting them back, he just parries and dodges, and the two brothers hit each other. He uses this to drive a wedge between the two during the fight. Taipao takes the brunt of the blows, and this pisses him off. We hear him thinking... This is where you hear is like this is where you find out what what uh, Yipao's name is. Damn it, Zeppo! Why? What did you keep hitting me for? Yipao finally gets gets the beggar in a hold and tells his older brother to come over and hit him. A pissed off Taipao walks over and punches his brother in the face. The two fight until they almost knock each other out. The beggar walks walks over to them and tells them they're they're great comedians and should be on stage. The two brothers go back to the ma- to their master, licking their wounds. Oh, it's silly. It's a silly moment because you're like, come on, guys, right there. But it's silly. This major suspension of disbelief at this point. It's not even about them getting the money back. It's just about the beats. It's all about the beats. Yeah. Beats by Sammo Hung instead of Beats by Dre. <laughs> yes, yes. I would buy that. Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah Sammo Hung came out and had Beats headphones. I'd buy those in a minute. Fuck yeah, man. Fuck yeah. 
Back at their master's dojo, they find two men waiting for them. Yipao asks who they are looking for, and one of the men says, Mr. Ku Wu Tai. Tai Pao says, that's their teacher. Yipao says, he's not in right now, though. One of the two men, who we find out later is named Dano. In the IMDb, he's he's listed as Painter Dano, but he's never referred to as Painter Dano. No. He's only referred to as Dano here. The funny thing is, and then his other cohort with the white makeup, he doesn't really have a name, but in the Hong Kong version, I love this, the guy with the white makeup is called Snow White, and this one guy with the beard is called Seven Dwarves. I thought that was fucking cool. I love that. And and so Snow White is very effeminate and it's referred to a very derogatory name later on. Uh, and Seven Dwarves has he has like a military flat top on his head. It's like when you well, it's like what John Cena was doing for a while where the back of his head's completely bald, but the front is still there. So he grows out the front, but shaves the back. So like you can't tell that it's balding. It's just like the look. Um it's very interesting. He looks like a cartoon character. They kind of both do, but the Seven Dwarves guy is very cartoonish looking. And, uh, yeah, he's going to look even more cartoonish in a little bit. <laughs> yes, yes, he will. So uh, the guy, Dano, uh, says, so. But, but in here, I guess I'll refer to them as, I think I refer to him as Dano and then Snow White when I have to refer to the other one. So, again, guys and gals, I'm kind of all over the place with the names. They don't really match the version that we're talking about. But I think that it's – I think it's – I would rather refer to, like, Yipao as Yipao and not fucking Harpo or something, you know, or Zeppo. Yeah. I think you got it. Yeah. Well, I know I have it. I hope the listeners have it. <laughs> I think you got it as in you listeners. Oh, <laughs> the universe. I know Paulette does. She's like, uh-huh, I'm there. Keep going. Yeah. You're doing great. Yeah. Stop talking about colonoscopies. Yeah. <laughs> Just stop talking about uh, cauterizing moles. <laughs> so so Dano says uh, he wasn't aware the old man had students, and he wants to see what they're made of. So he fights them both while the other man, who has a lot of makeup on, Snow White, like we are saying, uh, sits at the table and watches. Dano says their kung fu isn't bad, and they three and then the three men go back to fighting. The brothers eventually get the upper hand, and the other man enters the fray, Snow White. The man with too much makeup uh, says the master has trained them to fight as a pair. If they separate the brothers, they don't stand a chance. It's a more important line than I just sort of glossed over. So the master has trained them to fight as a pair, and that's important. Yeah, it I to use a wrestling term, you know, not every tag team is good when they become solo wrestlers. Right. So, uh, right. You know, for every Bret Hart, you got Jim, the animal Neidhart, who is not as strong as he was, as he was in a tag team. Right. And my understanding is you can't do the Frankensteiner by yourself, right? Like you need someone to, to set it up as well. And it takes two people. Well, no, you can do the Frank. Look at you. Tr- okay. You're fuck me. Then. You're trying. <laughs> no, but you know, one time I saw, this is legit. I saw Scott Steiner do the Frankensteiner on a dude who was on top of Ricky's on, on who was on top of Rick Steiner's shoulders. So he did it off the top rope one time. Jesus. I, I used to play with my toys and like do that scene, you know, like do that move. And then I saw it on TV one time and I'm like, oh, my. It was insane. 
But, you know, the road warriors are the road warriors. It's not just Hawk and not just Animal. They had solo careers, but they were way better as a team. Being a huge Mad Max fan as a kid, I love the Road Warriors. Uh, they're like, the greatest the tag team of all time. They, they, I think you have to say they're the greatest tag team of all time. The greatest. I, mean, I didn't know that, but as a kid, I just love their gimmick. You know, I mean, my favorite is the Steiner Brothers, but but the Road Warriors, you gotta say they're the, probably the greatest tag team of all time. And the funny thing is, my favorite move in wrestling is the Frankensteiner, but I think I just like the name. I think the name is just great. You equate that to something sexual, too, I'm sure. Probably. <laughs> I'm sure there's an Urban Dictionary for that. What is it called? Urban Dictionary? I think so, yeah. It's still around, yeah. Uh, Ty Pal says, the man in the makeup looks just like Yipal's ugly aunt. The younger brother looks at him and reminds that him funny. that it's also his aunt. <laughs> that, was, that was a really funny line. Yeah, I know. Snow White says he'll scratch their eyes out. All four men fight, but the brothers are now separated. Snow White versus Tai Pao and Dano versus Yipao. The brothers both lose to their opponents. Dano tells them that if their master comes back, they'll be waiting for him at the end. Yipao asks what their names are, and Snow White says, We don't give our names to punks like you because we ain't ordinary people. <laughs> this dialogue is fantastic. The yeah, act- it's really funny. The attackers leave holding hands. Taipal says, not ordinary. No wonder they got the better of us. As they leave, Master Kubu Tai sees them. The fox. The fox. He sees them. The two brothers go running to him and tell him what happened and where the two men will be waiting. The old man says, so they finally caught up with me. Figured it wouldn't be long. The brothers ask who the men are. My enemies, and they mean trouble. The brothers asks how he plans to deal with them. Master Ku Wu Tai, a.k.a. Fox, laughs. Ha 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 ha! He hands the brothers a letter and tells them to take, to take it to the attackers at the inn. Tell them to meet in the forest. The two brothers will take on Dano, and he'll handle the other one. In the English version, he does not say this in the in the Hong Kong version, but in the English version, he says, leave the little F word to me. And it rhymes with maggot. Just think of the uh, Dire Straits song, the guy with the earring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whatever you do, don't let them team up together. Otherwise, they'll be more powerful than ordinary people. Cut to the five men in the forest about to fight. Now, Zach, I got to admit, even in the Hong Kong version, there is no scene of them meeting the two uh, people at the end or delivering the letter. I love that they cut that out. It, there was no need for it whatsoever. There's no need. Yep. There's no need. That's awesome. I love that pacing. Yeah, me too. Hey, everybody. Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. Hey, everybody. I'm Tim. And I'm Dean. And we're the hosts of Talking Back. We're a retro-based podcast covering movies, comics, video games, and more. Check us out every Monday where we hit the rewind button and dig into some of our favorite content from the past. We like to keep things fun, lighthearted, and informative. Do you feel like you need more nostalgia in your life? Then check out Talking Back. We're available everywhere podcasts are found. 
I'm John, and I'm the host of Action Action. Every week, I'm joined by James. hey And Dustin. Hello. And each week, we review, debate, and rank a different action movie. We're creating the ultimate list of action movies. From awful to awesome. So if you want to hear three more white guys with beards talk about action movies. And argue about where they belong on our list. And decide you hate us because we made fun of your favorite movie. Join us every Tuesday, and you can find us on your favorite podcatcher. And Steven Seagal mm. is a joke. <laughs> and now, back to the show. Taipao gets too anxious and rushes to fight Dano, but trips on a root sticking out of the ground. Yipao helps him to his feet, and they both start fighting Dano together while the master fights Snow White. The brothers get the upper hand on Dano and start landing blows. This causes big welts to pop up all over his head. It actually looks kind of gross. So, Zach, I mean, it won't happen now, but by the end of the fight, the dude's going to have, like, fucking 30 giant welts, like, all over his head. It looks like a cap. I am grossed out by it, and I think you said it earlier. It reminds, you're right, it reminds me of something out of fucking Fist of the North Star. Yeah, wasn't there a character in Fist of the North Star who wears, like, a, he wears, like, a mask over his head to hold in the, the, the sores. Yeah, Jack. Uh, I think it, it's it's it was his brother, uh, the main guy, Fist of the North Star. I forgot what his name was. I think his brother Jaggy Jagar or something like that. It's with a J. Um, Jaeger. Jaeger something. Basically, the Fist of the North Star guy did the move to him to have him explode his head, but because he learned the same techniques, he could kind of counter it. But then, like his head was always gonna explode, so he has to wear this fucking helmet to keep his fucking head from exploding. Like that shit is wild dude yeah no it is it is a crazy i got i wish that movie i haven't seen fist of the north star the movie in forever the live action movie yeah with costas mandalore and gary daniels and chris howard was in it clint howard yeah i think he was yeah i haven't seen it in forever i didn't like it when it came out i remember the cartoon was cool the nintendo video game stunk Oh no, the Game Boy game was great. The the old Game Boy game was good. I didn't know about the Game Boy game. I, the NES version I didn't think was that great because it was a side scroller. Side scroller, I thought. I yeah, thought. that's kind of that's kind of how the Game Boy game was, but but the sprites were really big. It was it was different okay. than the NES version. Uh, well, yeah, because I, I I don't I didn't I would like to play that actually, but um no I and I I remember I had the manga comic too, yeah. and I, that was so badass. Gosh, but. I would like to watch the live action one. I would like to watch the live action one again. I'm sure it's available on YouTube. I'm sure it is. I remember Fangoria covered it because it was violent. Think, yeah, that was it. It was during the time when Fangoria had to cover non horror movies because there's nothing there was no else going on. Mo- yeah, there's nothing else happening. You talked to Tony Tampone about that in one of our your first like you did that interview without me because uh, it was like I think our very first one. But I think you I- talked to Tony Tampone who was the editor back then um, of Fangoria. And he was like, it just it just wasn't as many horror movies coming out at some point. They still had to put out a monthly magazine. So I love that interview, man. He was in our house. He was in my house. He came over for dinner and then we just did an impromptu interview. It was amazing. It was so much fun. And um, yeah, hopefully we can revisit that. If I ever go to New York, going to see that guy. And we'll I'd love to t- chat with him again. If you guys haven't listened to that interview, go back and listen to it. It's really I mean, would have loved to have Corey there. And the next one we'll do, Corey yeah. will be with us, us, me. But um, yeah, that was a good, that was a good convo. Yeah, no, that, I mean, I listened to it. It was 
fantastic. And obviously, Tony Tapone is a super nice guy and uh, wealth, wealth of knowledge. You know? Yeah. But but seeing Dano get the beat down and the, the welt on his head is grotesque and disgusting and not for the faint of heart. And it's kind of the only time in this movie that there's any kind of sort of I mean, yes, they get black eyes. There's some cuts here and there, although the cuts are very much look like just paint, you know, not really cuts. This is like the most like effects sort of like like makeup effects that we we see in this whole movie. Like yeah, it never gets it. replicated again. Nope. Nope. Even like yeah. You'll, you'll 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 expand on it in just a moment, but the uh the death scenes are not very dramatic. No. Which I actually like. It's like, whatever, you know, it doesn't have to be grotesque. No, but these head welts are grotesque. They are. I could go without those. Me too, dude. I mean, I was like I didn't the old master gets some hits in on snow white eventually knocking the man to the ground and then jumping and doing a flying elbow onto his chest this causes snow white to spit blood the master grabs the defeated man's throat and kills him i was not expecting this heel turn this is the beginning of the heel turn look at you dropping those heels and, Zach, we can say that the flying elbow to the chest, then throat kill, that's his signature move. Yeah, it's his signature move. Master Kuwutai looks over and sees the boys beating the crap out of Dano, whose head is covered in welts. He grabs him by the throat and kills him as well, much to Yipao and Taipao's shock. The old master walks over and tells his students that he's proud of them. He says he has some business to take care of, but they should go home and change and then meet him at the tea house for a good meal. And I, I like how you're you're starting to be like, oh, okay, maybe this guy isn't the good guy. And maybe, and maybe the our fox, yep. And maybe our con men aren't so bad. Maybe they don't want to be bad guys. Exactly. Yeah. The fox is of these, you know, the fox is cute, but it goes into the chicken coop and eats all the chickens, so that's great. Yes. Very, very astute uh, sort of. Uh, <laughs> Corey's like, thank you, Mr. Obvious. <laughs> Captain Obvious. <laughs> you know, a snake, a snake slithers around and sometimes it shits its skin. And yeah, he's, oh yeah, he's got snake fighting. I forgot. He's got his style as a snake. So. Oh, he does. Yeah, he does have that technique though. That's awesome. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, cut to the tea house, and we see a man in a hat. Uh, this is that guy Mars, right? Uh, the the tiger. This is Mars. Yeah, just goes by Mars according to IMDb, which I don't trust. I'm sure he's got a maybe he's got a different name somewhere else, but we're just going off of what IMDb to, IMDb says. Yeah, IMDb when it comes to I think Asian cinema doesn't seem to be very accurate. Which I think could probably be a little uh, racist. Sure, why yeah. not? Yeah, yeah. probably. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so he's, he's walking around with like signs, like wanted signs, um, asking patrons if they've seen the men. We can tell by one of the signs, all we can see is the sort of the back of it. We can tell it's Dano. Yipao and Taipao sit down at a table and order tea. Taipao says the man in the hat looks familiar and they invite him over for a drink. That's because there's a scene cut where there was this um, fight in the, the market way early on. And like they kind of, he kind of has to help he kind of fights the the tiger guy kind of has to fight some gang members like very low level gang members that aren't that good 
but he kind of loses a little bit and they kind of have to help him, yada, yada, yada. But it's a, it's a scene that is, I think, a lot... It's not as necessary as that other scene that was cut that we talked yeah. about with the, the two bankers. Yeah. But that does give you a reason why Yipao and Taipao say, oh, we recognize this guy because they saw him earlier. Okay. So they invite him over for a drink. He says he doesn't have time, but he asks if they've seen this man before and then holds up a drawing of their master. Yipao and Taipao says that's their teacher. When the man in the hat asks where Ku Wu Tai is, Taipao says he's at home. Yipao even gives him the address. These guys are idiots. The man in the yeah, hat smiles are. and leaves the tea house. They are idiots. As as uh, Bugs Bunny would say, what a gullible. <laughs> I love that line. when he uh, it's, the, it's the episode where he is fighting. He's in Mexico and he fights the bull. Yeah, what a gullible. Like, what a gullible. What an <laughs> ignoramus. Oh, Bugs. Oh, Bugs. <laughs> It's even it's Bugs Bunny even around anymore? No, but I always was a Daffy Duck guy. I love Daffy Duck. He's my favorite cartoon character. I was a Bugs guy. I was I was a Bugs. Were Bunny you a guy. Warner Brothers over Disney? Oh, Warner Warner Brothers Bugs Bunny versus like Disney. like Warner Brothers cartoons versus Disney cartoons. You know? Oh like, yeah, yeah. No, I, I was a Warner Brothers guy. Good. Yeah, I loved it, and I loved Woody Woodpecker, but I didn't love crazy Woody Woodpecker. I loved the more normal Woody Woodpecker. Oh, I love I love crazy Woody Woodpecker. He's so good. Oh, dude, He's I like, hated it when, <laughs> when <laughs> Dude, when they brought when they had those episodes instead of the regular ones, I was like, "Ah, I don't like this Woody." Yeah, no, man. He's now that crazy Woody Woodpecker freaks me out, dude. Yes. What about Droopy Dog? <laughs> I like Droopy Dog. I like Droopy Dog. <laughs> <laughs> My god. <laughs> so, cut to Master <laughs> Kuwu Tai leaving his house just to run into the man in the hat. The younger man says, the old fox. The older man chuckles and says, the tiger. You found me. Ah, uh, fox versus tiger. It's badass. Hell yeah, it is. And then at, and I know we've talked, we've referred to the master as the fox before, but I kind of in my breakdown, now I will start throwing that in and mixing it up and, and calling the old fox and shit like that. Okay. The old man says he's surprised the tiger found him so soon. The man in the hat says, you're a cunning devil. You screwed up the bank job with Beardy and the F.A.G. And they took the rap, referring to Dano and Snow White. The tiger goes on. They spent a long time in jail. Now they've escaped, looking for you. They've been seen heading this way. The two men are circling each other as they talk. Master Ku Wu Tai says, that's right. In fact, they've been here already. The tiger asks where they are. The old criminal says, be patient. You will meet them soon. Oh. The man in the hat says, so you've murdered them, right? The old master laughs and the tiger says, I'm taking you in, fox, dead or alive. The two men start fighting and the tiger holds his own against the old master. Cut to Yipao and Taipao in the tea house waiting for their master. Flies are on the food and the older brother is flicking them off with his fingers. Yipao says he's going to see what's keeping him, and Taipao tells him to hurry back. The fly part is gross. Yeah, because flies shit on things. I know. And then they land on shit and then land on things. Flies crap on food, and sometimes <laughs> they will crap on you. You. <laughs> and then they'll throw up the food. <laughs> Blah. 
It's a, what's his name? Uh, something was it cheese? What is it? Um, uh, Richard Cheese. Yeah, Richard sounds like cheese. Richard Cheese song doing like talking about the fly or something. There's a there's a kids uh, there's a kids podcast called Story Pirates. They're hilarious and they they take stories from that kids write and they turn them into songs. That's cool. And there's a song that uh, a kid wrote that they turn into a uh, there's a story that a kid wrote that they turn into a song called Cat Sit on You. And sometimes they take over your school. <laughs> and so it's about uh, cats that sit on you and take over your school. Sure. So, I mean, yeah, sure. <laughs> but it's got that like cats sit on you. Sometimes they take over the school. <laughs> it's really funny. Anyway, it story sounds like a, like a Richard Cheese sort of thing. It totally does. Sounds like Richard Cheese. Which, aye, 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 aye. which was a great part of the Dawn of the Dead remake, bro. <sighs> what? Yeah. It, all you patrons out there, if you want to sign up to patreon.com slash podcasting after dark and become a producer where you pick the movie, choose Dawn of the Dead remake. And we would love to break that one down. Uh, guys and gals, do everything Zach said, but don't choose Dawn of the Dead remake because at some point we want to <laughs> oh, do yeah. a, a back-to-back. We want, we, we're going to – maybe it's when we can get a hold of um, the, the original Dawn of the Dead. But we what we want to do is do like start doing like – remake versions like do the original and then do the remake like throw them in occasionally and i think dawn of the dead will be a good first sort of foray into that so please sign up for our patreon please sign up for the highest tier but save that one for when we can get a hold of dawn of the dead the original because who the fuck has the blu-ray for that now like where is that i have no idea i like why are the rights why is that blu-ray not so easy to find of the original dawn of the dead where the hell's the records room? <laughs> Choose the Crazies remake then for us to do, because that one's way better than the original. Yes. Way better. I, yes. will, I will arm wrestle someone. I will f- I will thumb wrestle someone for that one. No, I'm, I'm with you, buddy. I, <laughs> I, and by the way, Zach and I are going to do a, we're going to resurrect the watch list and talk about some, um, some Anchor Bay clamshell uh, VHSs and some uh, DVDs, like our top, top of them. And uh, the original Crazies, the George Romero Crazies, might pop up on there for me um, because oh. that's that was my experience with the movie. But I will always love the remake better than the original. It just hit me, bro. I love the Crazies remake better than the original, George Romero's original. I love Dawn of the Dead remake better than George Romero's original. And I love the Night of the Living Dead remake better than the George Romero's original. All right. What does that say? Well, I'm not. Well, I know what it says. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say it. But I will say that the crazy VHS clamshell will not turn up on my watch list <laughs> for everything you just said and more. And and then question is, how many people drove off the road from that statement I just made? Sorry, y'all. It's truth. Ah, truth. It's truth. Sorry, they, y'all. It's truth. They made the zombies run. <laughs> what zombie runs? Hey, guess what, Mr. Romero? People can do whatever they want with movies. You don't have to crap on them if it's not made by you. No offense to him. You just don't have to crap on other people's stuff. That's right. Truth. That's what social. he did. He did. I know. I know. I was at those Van Gogh conventions when he was crapping on 28 Days Letter or 28, whatever days weeks months years they're making another one by the way yeah. they're doing 28 years later that sounds amazing 
Yeah, I mean, I like twenty eight weeks later too. I thought I was it was the original, but I liked I like twenty eight days later more. But I very much thought that twenty eight weeks later was a great sequel. I, it's it's fantastic. People who don't think it is, well, but you're you're entitled to your opinion and to cauterize your moles. <laughs> you're entitled to cauterize your moles with flames. <laughs> <laughs> Cut back to the fox and the tiger fighting at the house. The older man is starting to get the upper hand, but the police officer isn't done yet. Just then, Yipao walks in on the two men fighting, but they don't see him. The tiger says, listen, fox, kill me. There'll be other cops. The gods will see that you hang for your killings. You can't run forever. The old master says, you go to hell, and they start fighting again. Yipao watches as his master beats the shit out of the cop, kills him, then carries his body away into the house. He walks back out smoking a pipe and picks up the wanted posters off the ground. Just then, Taipao walks up to the master and says they were worried about him. Yipao's been looking for him. The master looks shocked and asks if he came back here. Taipao says yes. He left some time ago. Both men look around and they see Yipao trying to leave. Like, sort of, you know, <laughs> quietly trying to it's, leave. It's funny, yeah. Taipao runs up to him and asks why he's hiding. Taipao brings his brother over to the master, and the old fox says, I guess you saw everything. Yipao says, more or less, maybe I can guess the rest. Taipao asks what Yipao is talking about when the old master punches them both, sending the brothers flying back. He specifically hit the younger man in the throat so he can't tell his brother what he saw. The old fox begins destroying Yipao. Taipao tries to stop him, but he keeps getting pushed away. Taipao eventually lands on the ground next to Yipao and asks what's happening, but the younger brother can't respond. I always like that, by the way. I like when somebody, like, fucking hits you in the throat and then you, like, can't fucking, you know, talk and shit like that. Yeah. Not that I want it to happen to me, but I think it's cool (laughs) when it happens. (laughs) Take note of that, everybody. Corey does not want to get hit in the throat. No, please, so please don't. When you see us in public, don't hit us in the throat. <laughs> Thank you. I need my throat for this job. And other things. <laughs> and, and, and my other job. <laughs> <laughs> Lining them up like circus seals. <laughs> this episode uh, brought to you by C for cauterized. C for Corey and C for cock. <laughs> <laughs> Paulette's going, oh my gosh, I paid $20 for this? <laughs> I'm sorry, Paulette. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, so the master tries to land a crushing blow on Yipao's chest, but his brother rolls on top and takes the hit to the back. Oh. Yipao tells his master to stop or he'll be forced to fight back. The two men fight and the fox gets the younger man in an arm bar. With his back turned, Taipao hits him knocking the old man away from his brother. All three men start fighting again, but eventually Yipao tells his brother they need to go. They try, but the old man drags Yipao back to the fight by grabbing the collar of his jacket with his pipe. So he's fighting this entire time. He has this, like, long smoking pipe, and he's using it to, like, block and to, like, do his, like, snake moves and shit. Yeah, it's cool. Taipao says, remember what he's taught us. We fight him together. The old master scoffs and switches up his fighting style for the two brothers. Then he's going to use his his uh, 
his pipe and either block or sort of drag the other guy back into the fight sort of thing. Eventually, Master Kubu Tai has Tai Pao pinned down. The older brother looks at his younger brother and says, The son of a bitch is too good. We can't win. You better get out of here while you can. There's no point in both of us dying. Now beat it. Yipao says he won't leave his brother, and the fox goes to hit him, but Taipao grabs the man's leg and says, Don't be stupid. Get out of here. I'll hold him off while you escape. Listen to me. Just this one time. He'll kill you. Just make sure that one day you avenge my death. Now run, will ya? Taipao bites the old fox on the ankle and gets his neck broken for doing so. Yipao runs, and the old man goes after him, but Taipao has his leg in a death grip, and he can't break free. This buys the younger brother a little time. So, I was not, I, like, even when it happened, I was like, oh, Taipao's not dead. It's and then, But then when you kind of see that his death grip is holding on to the old man's leg, I was like, oh, he's really dead. Darker than I thought it was going to go. Yeah, this movie took a dark turn at this point. But yet they still inserted a little humor with him, like, holding on to the the leg, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's 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 still a dark scene, but it is does have a funny kind of climax. Yeah, a funny ending. Cut to the old fox chasing Yipao to town and losing him in the crowd. Later that night, we see the beggar Sam Hung cooking. I was telling Myra about this, so he's cooking a fully feathered chicken by covering it in I think clay, um, and then cooking it in an open fire. So I guess when you break it open, the the clay will also pull all the feathers out as well. I guess I've never attempted that. That's something I won't try. <laughs> we finally found something you won't try. That I won't try. <laughs> but I won't do that. <laughs> no, 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 I won't do that. A loaf of meat. Oh, big rips, meatloaf. All you had to do was take the COVID vaccine. Right. <laughs> so Yipao stumbles upon the home and smells the food cooking. The beggar pulls the hardened clay case out of the fire and goes outside to grab something. As he does, Yipao sneaks in and swaps the cooked chicken with, like, another clay rock the same size, you know, sort of thing, and carries his prize outside. The beggar comes in with something to break the casing, and when he does, he doesn't find the cooked chicken inside. He starts sniffing and follows his nose to Yipao, eating the chicken right outside the window. He leans over the food and licks the chicken without Yipao seeing. Then the beggar says, not salty enough, and Yipao agrees and asks how he would know. The beggar says, because it's his chicken. Yipao asks if the beggar's name is on it. He says it was on the drumstick Yipao is eating. Yipao hands him the bones and tells him that if he sees the name, let him know. The beggar throws down the drumstick and comes back with two jugs of wine. He suggests they share. Yipao agrees and gives Sammo Hung a small piece of chicken for one of the jugs in return. He drinks it and spits it out and says it's vinegar. The beggar apologizes and gives him the other jug. Yipao drinks it too, but it's chilly and it burns his mouth. He asks for water and the beggar grabs two bowls and takes the rest of the chicken. Yipao drinks both bowls and says the water tastes funny. Sam, Sam Hung says the water was is fresh from the mountain spring, but he just washed his feet in it. Yipao vomits and then says, you son of a bitch beggar, I'll teach you. He goes to hit Samo, but the heavier man holds onto the chicken and dodges the attack. 
He laughs, but Yipal charges him, and the beggar has to toss his chicken to defend himself. The two men fight with the beggar winning. He expects Yipal to get back up, but the younger man is starting to rub the wounds from his, from his fight with the master, and he sort of declines. The beggar says he'll help the young man to his feet, but when he stands up, he sort of flips Yipal back onto the ground and walks back inside the home to lay down in bed with his pet monkey. <laughs> My monkey! His pet monkey bubbles. <laughs> and here we are, third act, about to set up a, a what do you call it, uh, an odd couple connection. Yeah, yeah. You're being ignorant. <laughs> my monkey, my, where's my blanket? Where's my blanket? You're being ignorant. <laughs> you are not alone. I will come for you. When your brother dies from the fox too, <laughs> you are not alone. You're not alone. Uh, that's a good one, buddy. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, later that night, Yipal creeps into his home, creeps into the home and thinks to himself, I keep running into this fat beggar. I guess it must be fate. His kung fu is pretty good. I'm sure if I could learn his style... I could take on that bastard fox. Depends on whether he'll take me on as a student. I'll take a chance. Guess I'll just stick around. Yipal sits down in the corner of the room and falls asleep. The next day, he wakes up to the sound of the beggar practicing his kung fu. Yipal walks outside and says to the beggar, Hey, uncle! But the beggar says, Ah, decided to change your tune, huh? What? Uh, oh, bl- bloody hell, bl- bloody. Oh, I decided to change your tune, huh? Calling oh, me uncle. <laughs> That's <laughs> good. I'm impressed. Thank you. Thank you. You must be after a favor. Well, what is it? Yipal runs up and kneels in front of Samo, but the beggar master throws two walnuts under his knees and he breaks them and sort of hurts himself in the process. The new master picks up the nuts and eats them. Yipal says he wants to learn from the beggar and starts demonstrating what he knows, but his would-be master just trips him with his leg sweep. He says, Do you think I'll fall for that trick, teacher and student? Which kind of goes back to that whole thing of, like, he has to pay for everything. Yeah. We cut to Yipao training. He has two sharp pieces of wood attached to the back of his legs. Oh, I do not I do not like this scene, by the way. I do not like this. This is not cool. I, I'm with you, buddy. This is the one that I'm like, I wince every time I saw it. So he can't bend his legs or else he'll be stabbed by the wood. Oh, God. It's like these two super sharp shards of wood that are like, you know, 18 inches long strapped to his legs. The the back of his legs. Yeah, it goes in the top one goes into like his rear thigh whatever that is calf i guess calf the other the the bottom of it goes into his like his yeah calf. the bottom goes into his calf the top one goes into his thigh his, from yeah, behind the back of his thigh yeah. oh, nope yeah. nope nope and and this is like one of the few times there's like yeah some effects like a little bit of blood it's a little bit of fake skin to show you know what i mean like yeah, get it's a little yeah. bit of fake fake skin mm, little chicken <laughs> so the beggar i now call him the beggar master is making him do flips without bending his knees. And you see him do like a ton of them. Again, it's very amazing. acrobatic. Yeah. Without bending his legs. It's pretty yeah. impressive. It's insane. 
The next scene, we see Yipao training with a weird-looking pair of shoes that kind of keep him off balance. His new master says, With these shoes, you'll strengthen your legs and your stomach. Yipao says, Teacher, this is killing. Teacher, this is killing me. Uh, and, Zach, I'm going to ask you a question after this. A tin of Popeye spinach would do the trick, and that way my whole body would be strong. Samo says, Listen, if spinach was that good for you, then all 80-year-old men would would want it, and for different reasons. So, I took it that this movie was not in, like, the 20th century. Like, it's supposed to be, right, in the past, but yet they're talking about Popeye the cartoon here, though. Yeah, it's just, I mean, they're, they're also quoting the Marx Brothers, you know, names, so. Right. But but if you if you took away the dialogue, when would you think that this movie was supposed to take place? Yeah, in like the early 1900s. Right. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we're on the same page then. Yeah. Papa. 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 The beggar attacks Yipao uh, with a stick, and he has to dodge it while wearing the shoes. The young Padawan eventually gets the hang of it. Cut to the two in a field. Yipao is demonstrating whatever style his new master calls out. Garbage style. Thai boxing style. Monkey style. Gangnam style. Monkey style is the best one because he screeches like a monkey. And I, it's like, it's superimposed, but I love it. And he like re, they all really act like one too. Zach, give us our, our monkey style screech. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. I love Look, it. I'm a monkey. <laughs> Oh, you're being ignorant. <laughs> Samo Hung joins in on the monkey style fun, and the two of them spar together. It's great when the master gets Yipao in a headlock, then scratches his head like a monkey. But the young apprentice eventually gets knocked on his ass. When his master tells him to get up, Yipao says he's too winded. The new master knows how to get the man in shape. Cut to the beggar master holding a rope that's tied to a pole. It's a one-man jump rope. He tells Yipao to start jumping, and the young man thinks it's easy. But then the master starts giving him instructions on what to do while still jumping rope. Somersaults, kicks, rolls, backflips. It's fucking amazing. Eventually, Yipao falls on the rope, and the master begins hitting and beating with it. Yipao gets back up into his feet and, is jumping and, and starts jumping again. The scene kind of fades into another similar scene. But before we leave this scene... Dude, all the fucking shit he was doing when he was, I mean, he was dripping sweat. Like, like, cause he's, he's had, what, what is it called when you're on your back and you have to jump up to your feet? So that's called, it's called a kip up or a nip up. Um, there's, you can either, I looked it up guys before you're like, no, it's called this. It's nip up or kip up. Uh, yeah. Paul, Paul London calls it a nip up. I call it a kip up, but they're both the same. It's a move I wish I always could do, and I, I can't do it. I've tried. It's hard. Yeah, and spoiler alert, we might hear about it on the next episode of 80s Kids Unite. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's why I knew you knew what the name was. David Ullman, if you're listening, you're going to love that episode. Wink, wink. But, Zach, the fact that he like does it multiple times while a, j- a rope is jump roping over him and he's also flipping and rolling and not like click getting caught on the rope or anything. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't know. I mean, I'm in awe of anyone who can do that. And the fact that he does it multiple times, is just insane. Dude, Zach guys and gals, Zach is in, is, is probably the best shape of any person 
I know personally in my life, and I know for a fact you couldn't do any of this. <laughs> no. I mean, I can I can barely do the splits. And when I say barely, I can't. Like, I can barely cauterize my wounds. And I can barely cauterize moles. <laughs> Paulette's like, stop it. This is my movie. This is knockabout. It's not... It's not mole about. <laughs> mole about. Mole. <laughs> mole. My molly wart. So the scene kind of fades out, and then it's it, we can tell it's a time jump. We don't know if it's, a, like, I think it's a different day, to be honest with you. Um, and they're still doing the jump rope training, but now Yipow is doing better, and it's his master who is tired out by spinning the rope. Yipow kind of mocks him by telling him to go faster. Eventually, his fat master is too tired to swing the rope, and Yipow asks if he's tired. Sammo Hung says, he's just winded. Yipao says, winded? He smiles and then grabs the rope and makes his master jump, do the jump training, and uh, and now it's got to get him back into shape, basically. Yeah, I love this. Is uh, I think at one point, too, Yipao has uh, scars on his, or scratches on his chest, which is definitely an homage to um, Bruce Dragon. Lee and Enter the Dragon. Yeah. Cut to the fat master sending Yip out to town to buy some wine while he roasts a chicken for them for dinner. Cut to Yip out about to leave the market with a bottle of wine in his hand when he spots who he thinks is his older brother, Tai Pao. Bottle of red, bottle of white, and an every time. Sorry, I'm on a Billy Joel kick right now. <laughs> okay, okay. Fucking He's had his first. Uh, I think hit in, in years, like a first new song hit, you know? Yeah, dude. But like I was watching the Grammys not that long ago and he played um, uh, a song from the album Glass Houses, which is a great album cover where it's Billy Joel, like looking, he's, he's going to throw, it's from shot from behind. He's about to throw a rock into this glass, uh, this house that it's all glass, you know? And uh, hence the name. Yeah. Yeah, dude, that, that album from beginning to end, it's just a fantasy. Whoa, whoa. Not done. It's not the real thing. Oh, so good. If you want like a hard-hitting kind of punkish Billy Joel album, Glass Houses is a great album. Okay. Okay. I'm not the biggest Billy Joel fan, but uh you know I'll the check song, that out. You may be right. I may be crazy. I might just be the lunatic you're looking for. It's on that album. And it's funny because that's probably my favorite Billy Joel song. Mine too. It, okay. That album, Glass Houses, is a great album. He's very, uh, at least on the West Coast, very underappreciated. I think on the East Coast is where he gets most of his notoriety and popularity. Well, he's an, isn't he an East Coast guy? Yeah. Isn't he an yeah. East Coast guy to begin with, right? He he is, but I think, you know, he gets forgotten about when, when you think of, like, Singer, singer, songwriters definitely yeah. does not get the validation and appreciation that he deserves. Yeah, yeah. No, I, anyways, I, yeah. I think you're right in that regard. But yeah, so check out that album. Check out that album, and then don't check out the dude that Yi Pao is checking out, who he thinks is his brother. He says uh, his name. He's not his brother. He says his name is Monty, but in the Hong Kong version, his name is Big Eyes. It's a funny moment though, because it's like he's the guy's giving him way too much. My name's, my, you know. Oh, my name's I don't care. Monty. Like, no, I don't care. Yeah. This causes Yipow to have a flashback to his brother's death. He keeps walking through the market and he sees his old master, the fox, in the crowd. He follows the old killer out of town to an open field. 
Yipao calls out, Old Fox! And the man turns around and says, Well now, it's you. Yipao throws down his jug of wine and attacks. The two men fight to a stalemate, and the old master says, I taught you how to fight, remember? You haven't got a chance, kid. Yipao takes off his jacket, changing his style, and attacks the old man. They fight, and this time Yipao lands a few blows, pushing the fox back and startling him. Still figure I don't have a chance? There are some things you didn't teach me. They fight some more, and again Yipao is able to deflect every move and eventually kicks his old master to the ground. This causes Ku Wu Tai to attack harder and faster, and he now lands some hits on Yipao, sending the younger man to the ground. Yipao springs up and cartwheels out of the fox's reach. The old man says, Well, kid, your kung fu has improved, but not good enough. Yipao says he isn't finished yet and switches up his style again and attacks the old man. I believe this one is a bit of a variation on the monkey style, but it's not fully monkey style this time. No, it's not whoop a monkey, whoop a monkey style. <laughs> uh, but whatever it is, Kuwutai isn't able to overcome it. Uh, he has a big scratch across his face. The fox comes at Yipao harder this time and knocks the young man to the ground, then drops an elbow on his chest. He can't land the death blow, though. Oh, man, we're missing the death blow. As, <laughs> as Yipao dies, there's been a lot of Seinfeld references this episode <laughs> for no reason whatsoever. As Yipao dodges it and gets back to his feet, his old master says, You need experience. Yipao says, Not your kind, you murdering bastard. Yipao takes off running with Kuwu Tai chasing him. Cut to a shop, and the beggar is buying a chicken and ingredients for a meal. When all of a sudden, Yipao comes flying through the air and lands on the ground. The fox goes to kick the young man, but his new master defends him with his foot, sending the old master flying onto a table. All the patrons clear out, much to the owner's chagrin. Kuwu Tai tells the beggar to stay out of it, but Samo says he's going to put the fox behind bars. Realizing he's a cop, the fox attacks the fat man just as he's handing the chicken and the ingredients to Yipao to hold. The beggar cop and the old criminal fight until the owner gets between them and tells him to stop. Ku Wu Tai hits him and takes his smoking pipe to use as a weapon like he did when the previous fight with Yipao and Taipao. Yipao says it's looking pretty grim, but the beggar cop says he's holding an ace. The two men fend off Kuwu Tai's attacks, but he's outmatching them overall. That is until the two men use their monkey style. Whoop a monkey style. The old fox has a hard time fighting such an unorthodox style. He can't predict their attacks. As an added benefit, the monkey style lends itself to teamwork. So there are a lot of moves where Yipao is, is on his new master's back, blocking and fighting in unison. At one point, Yipao is hanging off the beams on the roof of the building. It's quite the spectacle to behold. So over the top, so wild. Again, you have to see it to really take it in. Uh, describing it doesn't do it justice. It's just, it's, it's, as better than Ezra said, it's extraordinary. <laughs> Your love is extraordinary, baby. <laughs> Fucking better than Ezra, huh? I saw them. Lifehouse opened for them when I saw oh, them. Oh, shit. Lifehouse. Hanging I th- by a moment here with you. 
I think the Lifehouse was a was an East Coast band, if I recall. No, no, that's Beach House. I think Beach House is a Maryland band. My bad. Beach House is. A, I th- I think I know who you're talking about, and that's a good band. I mean, Lifehouse is cool, but they were. There were those bands in the '90s, like The Calling, or was it The Calling? Yeah. Maybe I said. Apparently, the the lead singer of The Calling, Paul Paul London, said this. Lead singer of The Calling is Richard Ban or Charles Band's son. Oh no shit! Yeah. Okay, I I mean like isn't I, that's the thing, man? Like you, as the older you get, you realize that like every fucking band, every actor, no one just appeared out of nowhere. They're nope. all kids of somebody. Yep. They're all like, or you see them now and you realize they've been acting since they were like five. You oh, know? All, all the projects I've ever been able to work on. It's like a friend recommended me, got it through connection here. Yeah. There it's, it, none of it's just like, you know, worked hard, like got the gig. It's very rare. Well, I think the, um, the singer for, um, oh my God. Um, I bless the rains down in Africa. Toto. Um, yeah. isn't that John Williams's? brother or son i think it's actually his son wow that's wild yeah it's not just systematic yeah that's the thing everyone's a fucking nepo kid basically everyone except except for us so we had to make our own and then we have kids like bodie will be a nepo kid amen you're like god willing baphomet willing from your mouth to monkey paws ears there you go there's a comical part where the beggar cop jumps on his apprentice's back, but they both fall down because the older man is too heavy. This throws them off their game, and when the fat beggar cop leaps through the air, the old fox smashes a chair against his shins, sending him onto a table. Actually, through a table. He can't get up because his legs are messed up. Now Yipao has to fight the fox alone. It goes as well as you can imagine. Samuel Hung gets to his feet, but is also beaten down one-on-one with Ku Wutai. Yipao goes back to fighting, but gets taken down again. This time, when his old master tries to do the flying elbow flip death blow, his signature move, the beggar cop, a.k.a. his new master, catches the fox in the air, like mid-air. Yeah, it's awesome. But then, get, but then gets punched in the face and kicked out a window and into the foliage outside. So it kind of he gets fucked up for his his move there. Well, yeah, I mean, what this fight scene is also showing is that the fox is the 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 tougher of the three, but the other two work so well as a tag team. It's still a two on one scenario, yeah. but it takes two to defeat the one. Yeah, and that's. Which is that's how you want your villain to be. I mean, yeah. that's that's the villain. You, your hero has to overcome. If it's if it's easy, then I mean, look, Darth Vader, best villain out there. I mean, at least the one that everyone sort of thinks about right away. And look how fucking tough he was. For, it took him three movies for Luke to overcome him. You know what I mean? So it's well, like which which Star Wars that. was it? Which Star Wars was it where Qui Gon and uh, Obi take on? Was it um, Darth Maul, Phantom Menace? Yeah, yeah. So maybe Darth Maul is actually more powerful than Darth Vader because it took two guys to take him down. Yeah, maybe. Maybe and we've never seen the fight between Maul and, and Vader, so at least not like movie wise and whatnot. So just saying, it took yeah. two to defeat him versus one. That's true. That's true. Two no. pretty ch- hardcore Jedi's too. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're you're not wrong there, buddy. You're not wrong. Mm-hmm. 
Zach, we may have to have a Star Wars podcast one of these days. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> Woo. Yeah, can we talk about uh, little Annie wearing a Gap backpack or a of backpack course. from Old Navy? Of course we can. Okay. Of course we can. Okay. Eventually, the old fox <laughs> kicks Yipow out the window, too, and they Wee. both fight on the grass outside. Oh. The old man breaks his smoking pipe and has to change up his style. It's interesting because it seems like that pipe is necessary for his snake style. It's pipe style. Corey's style would be vape. No. <laughs> ganja style. Yes. Whoop whoop ganja style. <laughs> there you go. Again, <laughs> one-on-one, Yipao barely holds his own. Just then, the fat master comes from behind the building with his giant vine with thorns and tells Yipao to catch the other end. I like how he catches it. He's like, ow. He like, you know, yeah. cuts himself. I mean, it's clearly fake, but it's funny. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of gross looking because it's so thick. It is and, very and veiny. Thick. It is thick, thick and veiny, just like we like it. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Paulette. I'm so, I'm so sorry, Paulette. I'm so sorry. The, the two men use it to beat the old fox and forcing him to play their deadly game of jump rope. Yipao eventually ties his end of the vine to a wooden pole and fights the old man while they both jump over the vine. I mean... None of my words do this justice, guys. That's amazing. It's yeah. big, like, thick cable with spikes coming out of it. It's a, it's a vine. It's a, you know, thorny vine. And the <laughs> the fox is, like, taking... It's like your fucking juicy ropes from fucking... <laughs> yeah, uh, I was LA just talking Comic-Con. about juicy ropes last night. Kristen's like, you love your juicy ropes. I'm like, you got that from Corey. <laughs> yeah, she did. Goddamn right. She I did. love my juicy ropes. Guys... I'm telling you, next convention you go to, seek out the juicy ropes, these licorice, these guys. like three foot like guys, you got to want the juicy ropes. <laughs> you turned into like Christopher Walken for like a second. Like, guys, I did. I'm telling it you. was natural too. Dude, the ju- <laughs> I got cotton candy flavor. It was like pink on the outside, blue on the inside or something like that. It was so good. So good. Now I do like that the old fox is getting like the, the, uh, Thorns are like digging into him, so he's got like cuts on him and puncture yeah. wounds and shit. Ha. Ha. Yeah. Pan, pan, pan. <laughs> the fight ends with the old fox getting tripped by the vine and Yipow rolling and dropping both fists onto his chest. Then he's strangling his old master. But so, like, so the fox is laying on the ground. Picture Yipow like sort of above his head grabbing his neck so like he's not technically like yipow is yipow is not on top of him he's like above him but also laying on the ground and he's like sort of choking his neck yeah and so as he's strangling his old master the new one jumps up samo hung jumps up and splashes him with his full weight while the beggar cop is on top of the old fox he puts his hand over his the old man's mouth and says shh as Yipao strangles him to death. This is kind of like, actually, when you when I say these words, it sounds very dark, but it's not as dark in the movie. But when you like actually think about what's happening, you're like, shouldn't you be arresting this guy? No, you're they're just murdering him. Just murdering him. Yeah, because because the, the fox won't hesitate to murder them if he has a chance. Right. But the fact that like Samo Hung, like and he, if he's a cop, like puts his hand on his mouth and like basically shuts him up while he fucking dies. Like, that's hardcore. Whoop, whoop, vigilante style. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Hey, vigilante. 
Our two heroes lay bloody and bruised on top of their dead opponent. The beggar cop says his legs are killing him and he'll have to be carried. Yipow picks him up and puts him on his back. They walk a few feet and both fall with their arms up. Freeze frame and credits roll. And that's so 1979's Knockabout. Knockabout. <laughs> yeah. Dude, this was so much fun. It was a fun breakdown. I mean, I, I hope we did it justice. Paulette, uh, <laughs> the silliness aside, I hope we did the breakdown justice. And uh, thank you for bringing this movie to the table. You know, we never we never would have covered this one. And I never probably would have seen it my entire life. And I'm so glad I have the Arrow Blu-ray. Uh, guys and gals, it's not expensive. It's like 15 bucks or something on Amazon. 15 like, like, bucks, little man. Put that shit in my hand. <laughs> there you go. Dude, we got all kinds of references coming. Was that Clerks or Mallrats? Or was that, was that Chase Naming? Clerks, okay. Um, I think. I knew, I mean, I knew it was Jay. Um, one of them. I mean, we broke down mall rats, but whatever. Yeah. And I don't remember that. And I don't think that's in mall rats. Um, but yeah, this was so much fun. Like just the shit that they were doing guys and gals, if you made it through this entire episode, you can still go watch the movie and have a whole new experience with it. Yeah. I mean the, the description of the fight scenes, which you did fantastically, by the way, Thank you. uh, it, it, it doesn't, do it justice because you got to watch this movie for the, for the zaniness of it. It's a wacky film. Like if you've never seen Kung Fu cinema, this is a good one to start with. Um, you know, the, the seventies, the seventies in Kung Fu cinema had a whole different tone than the eighties. The eighties were still, there were some lighthearted ones too, but it just was a different vibe. Thinking back now, this is very, this style was very popular with the drunken master series. Um, you know, so I highly recommend this one. Paulette, thank you again for bringing this one to the table because, like Corey said, we, we wouldn't have covered this otherwise, but I'm so glad we did because we had a lot of fun with it, and I enjoyed watching it, and I look forward to watching it again. It's one that I will watch repeatedly because the the just it's, it's, it's dark yet lighthearted at the same time. It's like a Coen Brothers movie in a way. Right. <laughs> Interesting. That's a good comparison. Did you? Yeah. Did Bodhi happen to watch this at all, or do you think this is a little dark? No, for him? Okay. this is okay. too dark for him. I think. Got gotcha. Okay, maybe in a few years, this might yeah. be a good introduction to that sort of era of cinema. I think the first one I will introduce to him when it comes to Hong Kong cinema will be pol- uh, Police Story. Okay. Because cool. I love that movie so much. Or City Hunter. City Hunter, which is based on a manga uh, with Jackie Chan. It's got the 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 infamous scene where he's fighting Gary Daniels in the arcade on the yacht, and he kicks him into Street Fighter, and next thing you know, they, they battle each other as Street Fighter, Fighter characters. It's fantastic. I was going to ask you if that was the one with Street Fighter characters. Yeah, I, I, I've, I've seen that scene, but I've never seen the movie. Yeah, I talked to Richard Norton about uh, this, the fight scene he has with Jackie Chan in that, and it took him like eight days. He told me about that when he stayed at my house. <laughs> Bragger! Um, I'm surprised no, but it's taken this long for you to mention that, because that was years ago. Dude, that was like five years ago, I think, or four years ago. That's right insane. when the pandemic... Right before the pandemic, or right... Yeah, right before the pandemic, I think. Yeah, yeah. It was wow. like right at the time. beginning of us starting to do this show and everything. Yeah, that's right. He was one of my first interviews for $2 late fee. So anyways, um, I love 
I love this genre and I'm so glad Paulette brought open the door for this genre so we can do more movies like this. And if you are a patron or you're considering signing up to become a patron and you would like to be at the highest tier where we will break down a movie of your choice, like Knockabout, like Excalibur, Excalibur, Excalibur. Robert, like uh, Cam Sully with Android and Android believers uh, (laughs) and or, or, you know, Crystal with, um, Monster Squad or Aaron, Aaron with, with Bachelor Party. Yeah, so like the diversity of the patrons who were at this level with the movies they've chosen is all over the place. You know, the only other genre I think we have to cover is like political thriller and uh, romantic comedy. No, <laughs> uh, but it's up to you. Like literally, you could choose Green Card with Gerard Depardieu and Andy McDowell. No, but if you <laughs> wanted to, you could. I'm just saying you could. If you wanted to cover Legal Eagles with, you know, Deborah Winger and Robert Redford. No, you could. I'm just saying if you do consider it, uh, you can sign up at patreon.com slash podcasting after dark. And you can find all the links on our website, podcastingafterdark.com. That's podcastingafterdark.com. You can find links to our Patreon, our social media, um, our merch store, um, all our past episodes, TV Obscura included, everything across the board. Our contact form, you can get a hold of us that way and everything. So podcastingafterdark.com. That's podcastingafterdark.com. Same thing applies to $2 Late Fee as well. Uh, Those guys over there, Zach and Dustin have a uh, website as well, TWO, $2 late fee, and uh, contact form, links to their Patreon, links to their podcatchers, social media, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, and we know a lot of you support both shows, so thank you so much. And, uh, you know, leave leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify if you feel so inclined. It's a free way to help out the show. Yeah, don't do a four-star like just if it's yeah. if you're gonna do if you're not if you're, gonna if you're not gonna do five star just don't do anything you know? yeah don't do it because just you know don't be a hater be a lover <laughs> but again thank you paulette for knockabout this was awesome and thank you zach for riding shotgun on this one it was awesome and uh so this was a this was a hoot uh, so all i can say is guys and gals this movie's a fucking hoot it sure is, and and thank you, Paulette, for kicking off March Alert Madness uh, for podcasting after dark and two dollar late fee. Really, if you think about it, because we all month long um, we will be covering martial art type stuff. Um, I know that you know we'll have an episode of Eighties Kids Unite coming up very soon later this month across the board on two dollar late fee podcasting after dark territory marks, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you're going to love that one. There's a lot of fun content coming your way from every direction from podcasting after dark. And, uh, thank you guys for always being so supportive of the show. And yeah, thanks again, Paulette for picking a kick-ass movie. Get it. (laughs) There you go. And as always, we'll catch you on the, well, David Irons, David Irons. We'll catch you on the dark side. We'll catch you on the dark side, Pen. We'll catch you on the dark side. We'll catch you on the dark side. We'll catch you on the dark side. I'm keeping it all in, so. (laughs) 
Be sure to subscribe to Podcasting After Dark and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Support Podcasting After Dark on Patreon. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Podcasting After Dark. And visit us next time for another installment of Podcasting After Dark with Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Two movie fans have decided to unite for the people and the betterment of mankind. One, an action movie buff. The other, a horror movie fanatic. Together, they will try to bridge the gap of both genres into one podcast with their battle cry, Give me back my action and horror movies. Listen along as Charlie and Nate alternate each week talking about action and horror movies they cherish, mostly from the VHS era. Also, including some modern examples that felt like the movies they grew up with by answering the battle cry. Give me back my action and horror movies. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. Look them up on Facebook and Instagram.